This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. The fucking sun sucks. I don't know what you people see in the sun. I don't know how you people do the sun. It's it's just the dirt worst. I want nothing to do with it. I'd be content never going out in the sun again. And Rich Crage. This is the dumbest show. I cannot believe it. Pay, some people pay us $10 to listen to the show live. This is what we've given them we, for 45 we, minutes. Been doing this for 10 years. Why? Ever bigger than ever. More people listen to us than ever. Than ever. Why? And we are live here on the Flagship Podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. Doing okay. I meant at that time because we didn't talk before the show. <laughs> yeah, this was a rare uh, uh, just like, hey, let's just business as usual uh, type of show uh, start for us here. But yeah, I'm doing doing okay. Doing not bad. Well, I was late. And then... Yes, I am Rich. What is happening and you're here? Oh, playing in the back, professional. Forgot to turn my audio off. Yeah, there. I could tell. <laughs> I know, I could hear. That came through. Oh yeah. Oh, all right. Well, you know, it's always been a professional operation around here. I don't know why that any of that would change now. Eleven years on. <laughs> yeah, we're doing but, uh, we're doing it eleven years, and why you know why change now? So. Yeah, it's part of the charm, I suppose. But uh, yeah, you know, it's one of these Wednesday Wednesday shows, so I I lose track of time and. I show up late and then uh, I hop in and there's literally zero people in the in the chat room waiting to listen anyway live and uh, you know it's uh, this pesky dynamite always always getting in the way I don't know why these people prioritize dynamite over the live flash yeah especially this this week's dynamite I mean yeah sure you got Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho and like a barbed wire match and shark cages and stuff but I mean come on that you know that's not going to be in the first hour what, what are you watching AEW dynamite for in this first hour when you got us and this great conversation and audio playing twice because it's coming through on a computer and a phone at the same time. When you have that and you're going to choose Dynamite, I mean, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. So there, there was a while there. There was a brief time where we would put a dent in Dynamite ratings, but I don't know what's happened as of late. But it seems that people are, uh, when we do these Wednesday night shows, they tend to prioritize Dynamite over us, which is, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. You can DVR that. You can DVR Dynamite, watch it later. This is... Yeah, sure, it's available on podcast apps for free and, and elsewhere immediately after. But you know, there, there's there's something about live radio that you just can't replicate on on television. I don't know what I'm talking about. So, who is this? Uh... Oh, is that is that Rock Hard Juice Robinson? That's that Juice you... Robinson. Yeah, yeah. In like the shadowy depths of the YouTube uh, thumbnail. Yeah. Is that what? You... Yeah. I found, I, I found I, a very, a very engaging photo of one uh, rock hard juice Robinson. And I was like, yeah, that'd be good. That's a good one. You know, big faces, big boisterous faces that tends to work pretty well for the thumbnails. So uh, I saw old rock hard decided that'd be perfect. I, I thought it was Brian Pillman at first. I couldn't figure out. Who it does it kind of, you know, honestly, it does. It does look like, you know, 1997 WWF Brian Pillman who can't wrestle because his foot's still nearly amputated from his Humvee accident. So he's he's just out there cutting promos in his vest. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they, I, Rock Hard Juice Robinson does take a lot from Brian Pillman. Loose Cannon era Brian Pillman, for sure. A lot of people take a lot from yes. Loose yes, Cannon era Brian Pillman. 
over the last uh, <laughs> I was gonna say over the last couple of months or whatever or the last couple of months in particular people have been uh, deciding that yeah there are aspects of the loose cannon uh, character that they've been taken after so yeah very often duplicated or attempted to be duplicated mm-hmm. the the loose cannon Brian Pullman to varying levels of of success embarrassment cringe um you know but he's he's still one of the most copied wrestlers to this day um what do we got here we got g1 yeah yeah we got we're gonna go to japan we got g1 we're gonna we're gonna get in touch with the g1 talk about night one night two um i guess we have to talk about night three i don't really want to um night three was did you watch night three just before we got on recording finished night three and i kind of wish i didn't I'm very sorry you did that. I really, it's one of these, and, and I'm going to talk about it when we talk about the G1, but but we re, you always reach a moment in a G1 where you re, when you look at a show, when you look at matches and go, you know what, I don't need to watch this. I can skip this and my life will be okay. Early days of the G1, you're like, no, no, no. I, you know, everybody always, every new G1 that starts and all right, everybody watches night one, every single match in night one. Everybody watches all of night two, every match in night two. And then, you know, you're like, all right, we got a good rhythm here. And then sometime down the line, there's going to be a night, whether it's a night seven or a night eight, where you're watching it and you're going, I don't need to watch this. This is not essential. My life is okay as long as if if I skip a Yujiro Takahashi David Finley match. But you say, no, 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 it's only night three. I should have I should have listened to my own brain and, and, and looked at this card and said, you know what? You don't have to watch this. You can maybe check in on Goto and Naito. The rest of the stuff you can absolutely let go. And uh, no, I did not. I watched all those matches. And uh, now I, I now realize moving forward in the G1 that if it, if, it, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and it looks like a horrendous matchup between a, a wrestler you have no interest in, it, it, it's probably going to be a horrendous match uh, with the wrestler you're not interested in. So, yeah. We've got Noah Destination to talk about and the well, you know, you, you almost forget that there was a GHC heavyweight title change on this show because yeah. all of the talk is centering around the final Keiji Muto versus Keito Kiyomiya match, which I know I have very strong opinions <laughs> yeah, I, on. Uh, I, was stu- I know you've had strong takes about it all week after you watch it, and then I, uh, I saw some of your ratings for these matches, and boy, do you have strong takes on this match, and I am excited uh, to talk about it because I'm not as strong, but I am. we, we, we do agree about one central theme of that entire match, and I can't wait to kind of di- uh, dissect and dig into that because uh, there was stuff happened in that match for sure, and it needs to be talked about. It needs to be addressed. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's uh, there. ROH Death Before Dishonors this weekend. Came yes. up so quick. I, it felt like so long ago that we're waiting, hey, when's that first Tony Khan Ring of Honor show going to happen? It's here. ROH Death Before Dishonor is here this weekend uh, from Lowell, Mass. Uh, looks like a really good card. Looks like a kick-ass card. I'm really excited uh, to, to, to check that one out. And then... Uh, I never wanted to, and I think you and I talked about this off-air, but when the idea was floated by Conrad that he was going to do Ric Flair's last match, I think you and I just said, like, do we, we're not going to, like, talk about this, right? Like, we don't care, because we thought it was going to be just some weird fight TV event where Ric Flair does something, and it's like, I don't, I don't care, you don't care, we were just going to skip it. Well, then they went and booked, like, a really, really fun, good card, so... Uh, unfortunately, we do have to talk about that entire card. That is not until uh, the, the following weekend. That is not until the 31st. Uh, but there's a lot going on next week, so we thought it might be worth it to touch on that uh, today uh, on today's show. So we'll break down the card uh, of Ric Flair's uh, last match, which is a loaded, really fun-looking card, uh, the least of which, of course, is the uh, the main event, which I I don't know that I'm looking forward to seeing Ric Flair uh, wrestling. 
uh, what I believe is his either fourth or fifth last match. What, what, what would you put this on last match count? Because there was Halloween Havoc 1994, I think, was his first last match, right? He, he retired forever after he lost to Hulk Hogan. Then, obviously, WrestleMania 24, uh, that counts. And the TNA match, that was your match of the week this week, uh, was his other last match ever. So we're at, I think his this will be his fourth, but maybe I'm missing one or, or two in between. I don't know. Maybe there was one in the 2000s that I don't remember when. Fitz no, Russo's would, booking or something. So, I would say I would count this as Ric Flair's final match, number four. I would call it number four. Like advertised, well known in advance. This is this is it. He's done. He's never wrestling again. But uh, yeah, hopefully the final four. one. Hopefully the final one. <laughs> if, if God God help us, uh, the the final one. But uh, before we get into that though, I, I did want to touch on something real real quick um, today. Uh, on the Chicago Sports Radio Airwaves, there was a, a 670 The Score, which is my local sports radio show, we, or, or, or channel. We have two. We have ESPN 1000, uh, which obviously ESPN owned it. Then we have 670 The Score. And those have been the two juggernauts of, of Chicago sports radio uh, near me for, for, for many, many years. Well, uh, The Score celebrated their 30th anniversary today, 30 years of uh, of doing sports radio in Chicago, which to me, first off, does that not seem like that long ago, that like the idea of sport like and they were the first they were the first one in chicago to say hey we're gonna have a radio station that only talks about sports and that was 30 years ago that they did doesn't that feel like that should have been a lot longer ago than 30 years but sports radio is not that old it really isn't well wfan in new york uh hit the air in 89 i think okay so a couple years before um yeah i think this would have been 92 92 for the score I think a bunch of them cropped up um, right around that time. But, yeah, even if you go back to 89, that's still, uh, what, 30? I was, I was told there would be no math. <laughs> 33 years? 33, 30, I believe you're 33 years, yes. 33 years, which, again, doesn't – I, I question my math because it doesn't seem no like, it's and, and that's I had the same thing today as I was thinking about this like wait a minute only 30 years ago that like sports radio became a thing and it's 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 kind of wild given like everything that's happened in the last 30 years and the idea of like hey we're going to turn on a transmitter and then we're only going to talk about you know sports on this radio transmission to now fast forwarding 30 years later and it's like the idea of radio in of itself is like passe and like what are you doing like what's going on like all that sort of stuff but the real reason i wanted to t- you know touch on this is is and, and well, I've, 80, we, i looked at that just for posterity because it'll bother me it was actually 87 87 well point, okay they were they were a little ahead of me in there they, i mean that's, obviously Still new york five years yeah obviously new york yeah. being you know so important to you know sport and, and sports being so important uh in, in new york that's pretty awesome but um uh the reason i bring this up is is and we've talked about it before like the one of the big reasons we talked about it in our 10th anniversary show, one of the big things that made us do this show and a big reason why I think this show exists in the form it does and the big reason why the format of the show is the way it is and, and, and how I think a lot of people have enjoyed us over these last you know, 10, 11 years or whatever is because you know, nothing we're doing, I, I would say, is super, super original in the sense. I think we maybe do wrestling podcasts a lot different than a lot of other people do, you know, quote unquote wrestling podcasts. But I did want to take a little bit of a moment because people always say, Hey, you know what, what, what inspired you? How do you guys do this? Why do you guys do this? Why do you guys do all that sort of stuff? And listening to this, you know, 30th anniversary of the score, it was like, well, that's why I was raised. I was a, a dork that, you know, when I was seven years old, I was listening to radio on, uh, you know, uh, sports on the radio all day, every day. 
every day in the summer, I would just wake up and turn on sports radio all, all night. I would have the radio on listening to sports on the radio. When I was in college and high school, I would come home and listen to sports on the radio. When I was in uh, working, I would go to work and throw on my headphones and listen to sports on the radio or whatever. And I don't do that nearly as much, obviously, with podcasts and all that other stuff. But uh, and I think you have a very similar thing as well, where like. You know, a lot of people say, you know, why do you, you know, how do I be? It's always, I don't know if you've ever gotten this like in the wild where people will stop you and be like, well, how do you, why are you guys so successful? I'm like, we're not successful at all. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I still punch a clock into like my job. Like, I, I always, I'm always taken aback when people are like, how do I be as successful as you guys? And I'm like, ah, I don't know that we are. Like, I don't know that I would give you advice or I'd feel comfortable giving you advice because like, I don't, think that I'm successful. I think we've done a pretty good job over the last 10, 11 years. I don't know that I would consider it, you know, successful in that, in that same way, the same, you know, I, you are, I, I got to tell you, you, you are something else. You, 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 successful. You, I would call myself successful. You're so anxious and you're so <laughs> you just downplay yourself all the time. And I don't know what your deal is, man. This is a great show and it is very successful. And that's why you get asked that question. Look at the bevy of wrestling podcasts that come and go. And I'm not even just talking about Blade jo- you know, blade Job and Chair Shot style shows. Those, those all stink, and everybody knows it. And But, you know, even with big names who try to do this and flame out within a matter of – I mean, every time, you know, an ex-wrestler or an ex-wrestling personality starts a podcast, what's the first thing you and I do? We set an over-under yes, on total we episodes. Yep. We have them all in the DMs of, okay, how many episodes for this, this you know, insert – Attitude era guy that's now going to have a podcast. Hey, Rich, yeah. Terry Runnels is starting <laughs> right. a podcast. I'm going to go with 13 and a half episodes. You got the over or the under. I mean, we've done that a billion times. Um, you know, it, it, most of these shows stink. Most of them don't last. Most people don't understand the grind. Most of them don't generate any money whatsoever. And, uh, you know, there's a reason you get to go on all these lavish vacations, sir. I mean, you know, don't don't downplay yourself here. I mean, we do a nice little job here. Uh, you know, the Patreon is very successful. We've got uh, shockingly tons of people that want that, that, that want to pay to hear more of us. Uh, we've got big ticket sponsors for like seven, eight years now. So uh, at least in the uh, very, very niche wrestling podcast genre, I would classify this show as uh, very successful. I well, would use the word. Well, there, very. there you go. But uh, when, when people... Rich, of course, they just no. Rich always shits on himself. Rich <laughs> never thinks he's doing good enough. No, Rich, and, and it's not like, and he's not one of these guys who thinks he's not doing good enough because he's super motivated. Man, he's like, uh, nothing's ever good enough. You know, good is the enemy of great. Like he's not one of those kind of guys. He just genuinely thinks he sucks. And I don't understand it. You do a nice job here. We <laughs> no, do a really no, nice I, job we, here. we do, we do. And and you know, one of the things that always um, it comes to mind when people do ask me that question, I do answer it. And the one thing I say is that you know, don't listen to podcasts. I don't think podcasts do. I, I, podcasts are a whole different medium and a whole different channel. And and a lot of people tackle podcasts in a very, very, very different way. Some people do them. Um, um, I don't know the best way to describe it, but a lot of them are boring as fuck is probably the best way to say it, where there's no engagement, there's no back and forth, there's no energy, it's just two people start talking, or four people start talking, and then they talk about stuff, and then it's over, and it's like, why would I ever listen to the show ever again? What am I doing? What What are you doing to pr- make me come back? Like, you, this is, it, it, it's, but people think, oh, I'm doing a podcast, I'm on a podcast, I'm talking on a podcast, or whatever, and what I always tell people when they say, you know, what do I do, you know, how can I get better at 
yada, yada, yada. I say, well, the reason I think that Joe and I are as good as we are, and I and I do honestly, you know, I, I say that in, in my, the way that I say it, you know, where I, I also degrade Self- ourselves when I say Self-deprecating. Like, right, like I don't actually it. take credit for us being good. I just say, ah, you know, some people say we're good because, you know, instead of like, you know, me saying it. But, and, and I've always said it's it's because, and and you can speak to this too, like, we grew up on sports radio, and sports radio is a completely different thing than podcasts. And you can tell the wrestling podcasts, and you can tell the podcast personalities, and you can tell. And this isn't this is sports. This is wrestling. This is everything. You can tell the people who were raised on sports radio and who get sports radio and understand what sports radio is, and then you can understand the people who grew up listening to podcasts or don't listen to anything, and they just know. Oh, I, I do a podcast. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah, you get on the air, yeah, you have a, 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 some sort of platform or whatever, but like, you know, you, you the pre- preparation for the show, we do very little today is a perfect example of the preparation we do for this show. Joe gets on the air, I say, hey, how's it going? You say, eh, I'm fine. You? I go, eh, yeah, okay. Uh, I say, uh, G1, Noah, Ric Flair last match, ROH, and you go, yeah, okay, all right, let's do it. And we're on, and that's it. That's the entire preparation for the entire show. When the day started, I said, Joe, here's the topics I want to talk about. What do you want to talk about? They'll sound good to me. Okay, boom, boom, boom. That's that's it. That's all the prep we do. But I think that you and I have been prepping to do something like this, even if it wasn't you and me, even if it wasn't just, you know, Joe and Rich, even if it wasn't wrestling or whatever. But by listening to sports radio as long as we have, we've always kind of been studying and understanding the game and getting audio and understanding conversation, doing all that sort of stuff. And when I was listening to the 30th anniversary, it kind of hit me again. Like, yes, this is is what I think separates us from a lot of other wrestling podcasts. And people always do say, well, yeah, you guys are like, you guys do this better than other podcasts. You guys do this better than other podcasts. The reason I listen to you guys is this. And I feel bad thinking that we're some visionaries or some like, because it's like, no, we just kind of do what sports radio does. <laughs> like, I, I do a lot of what Boris and Bernstein did in, in Chicago. That was the show that I grew up on. That was my four and a half years as a sports radio fan was Boris and Bernstein. You have Mike and the Mad Dog. You have some other ch- shows as well that like really kind of made, but like those, we're not doing anything that's that dramatically different from what those guys did, but I think it's kind of funny that so few other podcasts, especially in the wrestling world, follow that model as well and just go with the, either I'm going to interview an old, you know, Attitude Era person or we're just going to get on here and mumble about nonsense for an hour and then leave, you know, you know, or we're going to review yeah. a show in the most dry, dull po- way possible. And it's like, yeah, I, it, hey, can, hey, some of some of those shows are actually successful somehow. I don't uh, I know. I don't get it I'm going to leave that one alone. Yes. We're not going to name names, but, you know. All right. Yeah, we're not we're not getting that. We're not getting that dirty today. But uh, yeah, no, I was just listening to that. And, and I actually kind of wanted you to, uh, you know, chime in on that as well, because I think we touched on it a little bit in our 10th anniversary show but I do think that's an important part of what made us us is that we were both you know children of major city sports radio yeah I was raised on that I mean you know I I, I do so many intentional nods to Mike and the mad dog that I'm that I'm almost ripping them off I mean I I, I do these th- I do so many like little mini Easter egg tributes and nods to both of those guys. And I'm sure the more you've been exposed now that Mad Dog's kind of a national figure. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I pick up and, on a lot of them now that I didn't yeah. <laughs> a couple years ago, for sure. And Mike has become a meme there where it's like now you're probably like picking up on them, like you just said, more than you were in the beginning where, I, you know, I'm doing basically tributes to both of those guys that I work in there, whether it's a turn of phrase or whatever. 
And uh, that's kind of like a little nod to the other people listening to me who are aware of them. And, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, that's what I'm doing with that. But yeah, I, I, I grew up on that. So, you know, and, 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 and and I, I, you know, I, I, you're right. I don't think there were a lot of wrestling podcasts that were doing it in, uh, with, with that style. So I think that does make us feel different. I don't, I don't think this show is for everyone. I mean, it's clearly not for everyone. That style of radio isn't for everyone. No. Um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, it's the one thing we don't do is, is, uh, delve into hot take for the sake of hot take territory. Uh, you know, that's, that's derivative and hacky. I don't think we do that. Um, it's funny because over the years I've seen people say that we do that. And I know that, that they don't listen because we don't do that. Right. We, right. We've never done that. Like I've seen people criticize us in that way. And then I'm like, oh, they've never listened. Right. For more than five minutes. Or they just don't understand. But like, yeah, we tell people all the time, everything you hear on the show is a hundred percent my thoughts. I don't give a shit yeah. if it's not popular. I don't give a shit if it's not a good, you know, if, if it's a take that everybody disagrees with, I don't care if it's a take that everybody agrees with. And it's like, you know, boring when I'm like, Hey, this guy's good. And everyone's like, well, yeah, everybody knows he's good, but like say something else. No, I, you know, if I'm just going to tell you what I think, I don't sugarcoat it and you, you're the same way. And, and I think I got that a lot from, you know, they, they did a big, big long segment, uh, you know, kind of w- with Boris and Bernstein reuniting them or whatever in Chicago. And one of the things that they were talking about and, and, it, and it just struck a chord again with me and it's like, yes, duh, that's exactly what we do. And that's why I'm inspired by those guys uh, so much is, is they went on there and said, you know, the thing that made us, somebody said, well, you know, what made you guys, you know, you, and they just said, well, we're just us. We're just us. We're not liars. We're not characters. We don't make up things in our head where we just got on the air for, you know, X amount of hours every single day and just were us and just talked sports and talked life and just talked stuff and never, never felt that we had to play a character, never felt that we had to take a, a certain line on something or we had to take a certain opinion on something. We just hit start and then we just were us for hours, you know, and then that, you know, that made people trust them and that made people listen to them because they just they weren't characters they weren't your Stephen A. Smiths of the world they weren't your you know ESPN first takes of the world or whatever they were just guys that talked and yeah maybe they weren't always the most exciting opinions because sometimes the, the, the you know what you think isn't yeah the hottest take or the you know the most interesting thing but it's like well, well that's that's how you build that trust that you know what I'm listening to is the organic thing what I'm listening to is the real deal and yeah anybody that that thinks we come onto this air and and you know, we we manipulate. Oh, Joe, I'm gonna say that this guy sucks today, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like you're gonna say he's good, and then we're gonna argue about that. Like we don't argue that much on this show. We do sometimes, and and you know that's again not like us trying to agree on everything. It's just you know that's how we kind of became friends in this world. As we would you know agree on a lot of wrestling stuff, and that's kind of where we are today. But yeah, we don't force arguments, we don't force opinions, and we don't force debates. Uh, we're just us, and I think that's an important part. And yeah, when they when they were talking about that today. Uh, it kind of hit me of like, yeah, we, we always we, we touch on that a little bit, but I wanted to at least, you know, bring that up again that, yeah, that it, makes sense uh, why my, you know, idols in the radio world are the same way. They're just like, yeah, we just hit record and talk, sh- you know, about shit for three you or four still hours. Have to be, you still have to be compelling. Right. And right. Have strong opinions. And, uh, you know, I well, and, think- that, and that comes from that's why we're doing this show. And that's again, why I, I don't I'm not naming any names or whatever, but it feels like a lot of people have a podcast because you're supposed to have a podcast. I think you and I do this because we think that we're pretty interesting and entertaining people that have strong thoughts about stuff. We have strong thoughts about wrestling. A lot of people don't. And if you don't have strong thoughts about something, what are you doing? Yeah. You got to have strong opinions and and you can't be afraid to let it fly either. And I think, I think a lot of people like this show because they know that we're not going to sugarcoat anything. 
And, you know, even if that means we get an angry DM from somebody who thinks that we're talking shit on them or not respecting their work or whatever, I mean, we've never cared about that. I mean, you know, if people aren't going to like us, I can't do an honest show if I'm worried about whether wrestlers and promoters are going to like me or not. I, I can't do an honest show that way. I just have to uh, give my real opinion, uh, you know, and, and just assume that they're going to hear it. Just assume they're going to hear it and don't be afraid and just let it fly. And uh, I think that was a little different, too, than than what people were used to. Um, you know, cause there, there, there are a lot of podcasts that are tied to certain sites and whatnot. And, and they, they, you know, or, or, and they, and they have to sugarcoat some things or, or not have, uh, you know, uh, super strong opinions because they can't, it, there's none of that here. There's none of that here. So, and, uh, there's probably way less drama when it comes to that than people think, but, you know, we've occasionally run into some situations where, <laughs> People have gotten annoyed with us, but you know who cares? Yeah, I don't give a shit. I yeah, mean, that—that's my—that's my role in this ecosystem is to be a critic, and um, you know, that's as long I, I can sleep at night if I know I'm being fair, and I know that I'm always fair, you know, and that my opinions are coming from a good place. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't know we were going to stroke ourselves off. For the yeah, first. no, this I didn't. Great. I didn't mean this to. I meant great. To... <laughs> I, I could do this all for three hours. Are you kidding I me? To, I, I meant to get more know, introspective I, than stroking ourselves off. But you know, yeah, I guess I guess this we is do a, a good show. Job. I mean, you're right. We are tremendous at this. There's no question about it. I could do this for three hours. Come on, you know. I, I got no uh, problem with that. Yeah, but, but uh, uh, no, that, that, that was cool. Again, I was just kind of taken aback by that. Like, you know, we've been doing this show for 11 years, and like sports radio, like a full station doing sports 35 radio. years yeah 35, 35 years it's like like a third of that we yeah right like what the fuck it's crazy <laughs> what yeah yeah i know it what you know. <laughs> no way there's impossible well i guess you're fucking old now man i you're know old i know you... yeah my days of listening to wrestlemaniacs uh, on, the, on the score at you know 10 p.m your, on a your, tuesday is, is you know your shin splints and <laughs> your thinning hair and the shit splits are okay. I won't uh, won't address the second one, but uh, the shit How splits are How the boners holding up? You still got powerful boners uh, over there? They're doing okay. They're doing okay. Yeah, they're doing not, right. no, they're not yeah. what they were when you're 18, but I don't, I don't need Frank Thomas's yeah. uh, pills. They're, you know, I'm fine. Yeah, listen. You know, you could work with a 70 percenter. Right, yeah. You know, they're not bad a thousand yeah. anymore. It's not like, you know, not when you're 18, you're walking around with a boner all day. You can't help it. You rub up against a, <laughs> a dresser. You got a boner. You know, it's not like that. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's doing okay. It's doing fine. It's all that matters, you know, you know. Um, and listen, if you need the artificial help, it's, you know, that day will probably come, you know, and I, I, listen, there's no shame in that. What have I always said? You know, if, I, I've always said, Rich, that if <laughs> always. I, you know, <laughs> always, yeah, if the day comes where I can't pop a rod, I will fucking strut to that pharmacy counter with no shame. I mean, why would anyone ever be embarrassed about that? I, you know, I, whatever it takes to get a healthy rod going, but, uh, listen, if we're going to talk about how great we are and talk about my boner for three hours i mean i'm all about that you, you want to skip these topics and just talk about how we've innovated wrestling podcasts for the <laughs> yeah, three hours change the game yeah by innovating ak just stealing sports radio bits that nobody knows about <laughs> so yeah listen we got a lot of clones out there though you know to be honest we do we some, do some of some and listen i don't even mean that as a negative like there's some you know that shows that are the clearly serious form of flattery right yeah clearly inspired by this show i mean there's no question about it um and there's others that have you know tried to copy us that that have failed miserably um 
you know, and, and others that are clearly inspired by the show and are, and are doing great. And, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it probably be classless to start naming them, but, uh, <laughs> yes, you know, not I, probably. It would definitely be, class. <laughs> it would probably or, be classless to start naming could, these fucking imposters who are just, you know, stealing our bit. Yeah. No, that would you be, you could delete it. Uh, it what, the $10 subscribers deserve something. Want me to start rattling off a list? Of, uh, no, no, I'd, I'd rather not. So I don't want to, I don't want no? to edit this stuff. Yeah. No, it's, um, uh, yeah, you know, but, uh, yeah, this show is pretty fucking great, Rich. I'm glad you made this an impromptu topic. I enjoy this topic. Yeah. We so do this every like show, one- Yeah, every show, 20 minutes. Why are we so great this week, Joe? What have you done that's been so great? Well, have to be you honest, we innovated do, we do, audio on the internet? We do do this like once a year, though, where we just we talk do. about how great we are. I mean, you know, and then I, 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 I don't know, you know, listen, it's, it's fine by me. We should do it twice a year, I think. Maybe quarterly. quarterly. How about quarterly? Maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll put a put a note in my calendar to uh, quarterly. Every time, every time Tony Khan does a media call, we'll do we'll do a show uh, where we tell everybody how good we are. So that one work. of our other favorite pastimes is is we'll see like a a semi high profile or even high profile podcast, and I'll I'll send you a message. And I'll say, hey, they're, they're they're live. Let's listen to this for a few minutes, and we tap out in like four minutes. They're just so bad. <laughs> like like some of these shows, I'm like, why would anyone listen to this right. and then and then we're like oh yeah that's why there's nine people listening on, on their little youtube counter because these shows are atrocious they're they're awful They'll, some of these places will let anybody get behind a mic like they have nothing interesting to say see you got me going now this is not where you wanted this to go you're tugging your collar <laughs> <laughs> no no well honestly and 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 a lot of this is is rooted in uh, something I got upset about this week, and it was the Wrestling Observer Radio this week, really got me going. Because uh, so it's Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, and obviously they 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 do usually do a very very good job. But like as of late, the WWE coverage there has been like just nothing. It's like you know Brian is gonna say, hey, you know Dave, they uh they did this, they had a DQ and a non disqualification match or whatever, and Dave just goes, yeah, well you know that's what they do. What are you gonna do? And it's like, well, no, <laughs> like, then don't cover it. Then don't talk about it. If you have nothing compelling to say about WWE anymore, then stop talking about it. Stop wasting my time. Stop wasting your time. If every single time that they're going to do something dumb and you're just going to say, well, eh, you know, that's what they do. And, you know, they're going to get a giant television contract. Then we're done. Then we've lost all discourse. There's no point in talking. But, um, no, you're, you're, you're going in a much different direction than I am. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. – that, that, yeah. that got me going a little bit of just, you know – you don't have to talk about something just because you have to talk about it. You don't have to have a podcast just because you have to have a podcast. Like, have something compelling to say. Have a reason to talk. Give me excited. Give me interested. Come on. Well, now that we've put ourselves over and buried everybody else in the industry. Uh, <laughs> and Wade Keller, too. <laughs> and another thing. Yeah, exactly. Can't swear on his um, airways. Fucking stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, well I mean, you know. you you. We you, can get through you, did did your latest show with it's, Alan? It featured one f bomb. Yes, and it aired already. And you you aired. cursed again. I cursed again. But <laughs> Alan being Alan, <laughs> he said that um, pulling the curtain back here. He won't mind um, uh, this. Uh, he said, uh, "Well, I, I, I uh, you know, Todd Martin asked Wade if he could swear in some of his shows, and Wade said, "All right, but you know, keep it to a minimum or whatever." Um, so Alan took this to say, oh, well now I can swear a little bit in my shows, but he has to put a caveat of, of, he has got to put a, a a content warning 
uh, about it, and he wrote uh, it in the most. Uh, let me, let me get the exact. While you're while you're looking <laughs> yeah. for it, it's just hilarious that anytime we do torch audio with Alan, and with the with the famous Wade no profanity policy. I, you would think it'd be the other way around, but I have no problem. You are good. I can do. I do. I do four hours of audio without even you know anything resembling a piece of profanity, and in the first ninety seconds, Rich is dropping f bombs. He cannot contain himself. <laughs> oh, monster! And you would think it'd be the other way around. I, I think it's the fact that like I know I can't do it that makes it worse. Because I think I could go an entire flagship without swearing. I, I don't think that would be a problem at all. I don't want to because I don't want that'd be stupid and lame yeah. anyway. But. I think it's the idea that, like, I can't, and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, don't swear, don't swear, don't swear. And then Alan just gets me excited about stuff, too. So it's it's not in the write-up, but I believe in the actual show itself, uh, Alan has to do, like, a content warning that, like, uh, you may hear swearing over the next, you know, <laughs> hour of the show because uh, Rich and I are both just too excited about the career of Hiroki Goto. We couldn't contain our excitement. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. He has to qualify it by, you know, oh, well, we were just so excited about Hiroki Goto. Uh, we I just think, had to say it, which is incredible. I think you're partially responsible for changing the policy over there because we can't get through a Christmas show. And that's the other thing. There are Christmas shows, and you still can't uh, stop yourself. <laughs> By the roaring fire and the Yuletide, and yeah, I'm just a monster. Yeah. And yeah, you're, you're just you're, you're, you're flinging motherfuckers and F-bombs and – you just don't, you know, it, it's, it, I'm actually put off by it, to be completely honest. I, <laughs> You're disgusted by that. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. There was um, a great one. Yeah. It was, it, we were doing, I forget, maybe it was a Ring of Honor draft or something like that. I forget what it was. But Alan was like, all right, just a warning, guys. Like, just remember, no swearing. And he was like, we, we hit, he hit okay. And then someone drafted Davey Richards like a minute in. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> he was just like, yeah. all right, you, well, that's you, a little early. <laughs> He's like, I'm not exaggerating. You you can't last two minutes on those so shows. Bad. It was so bad. Yeah, that first one was, was real bad. And I was like, Alan, I'm so sorry. Like, no, it's okay. It's okay. We'll just have to edit it later. And it's fine. I can't imagine the editing that had to be done by poor Alan. Um, but, yeah. You're a maniac. Yeah. So Mike Johnson, what is, how does he suck? No, I'm just kidding. I don't think he does audio. Does Mike He'll Johnson do audio? Do audio? Right? Okay. No, I guess not. I don't think he does audio. I think you're right. Um, yeah, I think he just does his little news updates. He posts and ghosts, and uh, he don't even bother talking. You know, he don't argue. He's, he does it very intelligently. He just posts his news, and he never replies to anybody. He doesn't get into silly arguments. Uh, you know, he just, you know, does his thing and makes his money and 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 probably he probably slaps send on those news stories and then just goes about his day <laughs> and caps, never thinks about it's it again. Caps lock, <laughs> types in his yes. line and it's post and then he's out. So Yeah. Yeah, post and ghost. That's the way to be. That's basically what you're doing now. I mean, you know, I don't have any access to the Twitter, but you don't even post anything. It's all auto posts, and you, and you just sometimes you, I'll chime in with a, uh, a, a a hey, this is a great article, and you should read it, and then I leave. So yeah. you know, the thing about it is, pull back this curtain a bit. I think you're still a little too timid and a little gun shy to really put uh, uh, certain just, descriptions no, I just on don't things. Want to no, I just don't. But see, I, I think it's because, like, all right, a few weeks ago we did the show on Liv Morgan, right? You downplayed that so much. You were terrified to even put Liv Morgan's name in any of the uh, tweets or anything where, you know, if we're trying to get downloads here, you probably should have put something in the tweets that was like, why Liv Morgan's push is being exact, whatever, just something to, 
get over the idea that we were pretty negative on all that Liv Morgan stuff. And we thought that, you know, it's just another push that's ultimately not going to go anywhere. Everybody heard the show. I don't have to go through it all again. Like, you'd think you'd want to attract some downloads by emphasizing that one of the strongest parts of the show was us uh, burying the, 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 the Liv Morgan quote-unquote push. But I see, I know you after all these years. You, you didn't want to go there because it's like you don't want to draw the flies, right? Well, but, th- no, but your, what your assumption is is that tweets result in downloads and that tweets are equal to downloads and engagement on Twitter equals downloads. Uh-huh. That is not always the case. In fact, we can prove that it's not the case over the last year. Right. That it's not. No, the you're case. right. You're right. We just. So I could say again. Liv Morgan. Shit, what a dumb shit thing this was, and this is not going to go well, anywhere. This is going to suck. Well, yeah, yeah. And then we're just going to get eighteen thousand people saying, "You guys are dumb." Oh, da, 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 what dummies? But we've seen those that those don't result in actually people listening, where people don't listen from those. Not, I agree, not in major numbers. Because you look at the year over years versus last year, and this show isn't doing any worse than it was doing last year when we were, and that last year at this time we were still tweeting. And you sent me data from the website, which shows that there were actually times where uh, our website does uh, did better when we stopped uh, stop tweeting as I burp into the <laughs> microphone on this. Yes, as we talk about how great we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so no, you're right about that. But I do think, um, look, you're not going to get the people who are going to yell at you on Twitter to listen to your show necessarily, but you're going to get like-minded people who agree with, with sort of that line of thinking maybe to say, Oh, well, yeah, yeah. You know, I was thinking the same thing. Everyone's going crazy for this Liv Morgan thing. Uh, let me see her. You know, so you pick up little listeners, but I get your overall point. We have sort of proven that Twitter engagement does not correlate to business at all. I mean, we've shown that. I mean, the, the subscriptions have done nothing but grow since we've removed ourselves from Twitter. And we were kind of worried. We didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, we were entering the great unknown with that, but every facet of the business has grown since we've removed. Our, and and that's, that probably sounds hard to believe, but the, but we've seen the data. So I understand what you're saying. Just also, I, I am terrified of live stands. If, if if you if you want the honesty, See, yes. that's all I want you to I say. Am terrified you're terrified of, of the live stands. Yes. You're terrified of the live stands. Um, we but dealt with just, the Sasha oh, stands before. We know how to deal with the Sasha stands. That's fine. I, that's old hat. Yeah. We, I mean, a couple. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, but we, here's the thing, though. We hardly ever criticize. Right. Sasha. We're usually on Sasha's side, so the Sasha stands are usually. So they don't really come yeah. for us because yeah. we, we don't really often have negative things to say about Sasha. I don't even, we don't really say anything negative personally about Liv. It's just, we know this, what this push is. It's the same bullshit they always do. Um, I guess I was pretty hard on her. I did say that I don't see any real upside. (laughs) Yeah, you were pretty tough on her. I mean, I I don't. I really don't see any real upside. No, and that's fine. That's okay. That, that, um, you know, you, you're just saying, I don't think she's going to be like a business transformative superstar, which, you know. No, and they, and and some people get upset about that, which is, you know. Yeah, everyone seems to think they made a star, and it's like, oh, well, I don't know. I, SmackDown, Dropped again for the fourth straight week. Oh, I mean, which, man. Wow. Which show is she on? She's on SmackDown, right? I don't even know what show she's on here. <laughs> who he played um, for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We could do an impromptu um, who he played for. I have uh, zero idea which uh, brand. Well, listen. Gianna exactly- Diego is on SmackDown. She is the SmackDown yeah. Women's Champion. Yeah, either way. I mean, Raw's not exactly killing it either. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's like it, the thing is, though, if you just take a post and ghost attitude, you never have to see it. 
Fuck, man, just turn, just do the little thing where where it doesn't show replies unless it's someone you follow. Just do that. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to see anything, uh, and then you can just let it open. fly. I don't even open the app. Oh, well, then, then there you go. You shouldn't have to fear anybody stands in that case. You know, because you're not looking at it anyway. But uh, no, but but your counterpoint is understood. It doesn't really correlate anyway. But uh, what does correlate uh, is putting Sasha Banks in the headline, which by the way, that definitely correlates. we have done it. If you haven't noticed, we've done it egregiously the last couple of weeks, and it always works. It worked for Open the Voice Gate. <laughs> they did it too, and it worked for them. So it is uh, a gimmick. <laughs> we always joked about it that like you know putting and this goes back to like 2016. If you put Sasha Banks in the in the show description, it's going to do yeah. better, and and it's still in 2022. Uh, 2022. Uh, still does work pretty well. So just um, uh, yeah. So I give it. I give an example. So YouTube, which we don't emphasize and don't care about at all. We kind of just put things on YouTube because every now and then you'll pick up a new listener here or there. But we, we're very compared to other places. We we put almost zero effort into right, the YouTube. Right. Which we by the way, the, if I ever did get the time, if like I ever quit my job and did, that would be the first thing I would do more with. I know people are always like, you should do this. You should. Yeah, I know, but there's a finite amount of time in the day and I don't have the time to do that. So yes, it'd be nice to do all that sort of stuff. And, and eventually maybe one day I will be able to do all that stuff, but yes, I know. So I'm aware so that you weeks, can do other stuff on it. So two weeks ago on, on, on YouTube, uh, we had a show titled forbidden door business, Rita Chatterton, money in the bank and more. And that did uh, a paltry 321 listens on YouTube. This past week, we did G1 Climax, Sasha Banks, Vince McMahon, and more. 745 listens. <laughs> yep. So even on YouTube, where we don't even put any effort into it whatsoever, if you, if Sasha Banks is in the title, business picks up. All you got to do is put Sasha Banks. Uh, open, the dr- open, open the voice gate. It's a fucking Dragon Gate show. And they, they put Sasha's name in their title as a bit, just as a joke to test the theory. And, you know, it business works. picked it up. Yep. So People free, want to free hear advice. The, free advice from us. So there you they go. want to hear what the Dragon Gate podcast has to say about Sasha Banks. They, <laughs> they, they got to know. They're, they're rabid. So, you know. But look, listen, look, look at the extent that Rich went to avoid saying Liv Morgan in the title. The title of the podcast two weeks ago was Star Making performances. performances Against <laughs> All Odds and Ring of Honor. You were terrified, terrified to type the name Liv Morgan. The Liv stands do terrify me. They, they are a unique people, and I don't know that I understand them. So. Fuck them. <laughs> what, what are they going to do? They're going to come to your house? They might. <laughs> they might. They're pretty – they love – they 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 love their live. I will tell you that. But uh... yeah, only live once, Rich. Just just go for it, man. What are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? They're gonna send you a tweet with a meme that you don't understand. <laughs> like that's the worst thing that can happen, right? You're gonna get. They're gonna send gifts that you're not even gonna right. see because you a don't. TikTok you don't trend gonna... that I have no idea what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You might get told to touch grass. I will be I definitely, mean, absolutely be told to touch grass. Yeah, but I've been told you know, that that's many the times, worst so. that's going to happen to you. You know. Anyway, there we go. So that's we uh, have an actual show to do, don't we? We do have an actual show to do. Yeah, let let, let let's get to the actual part that we got to do here. Uh, let's talk about the G1 climax. Now you are doing daily reviews over at flagshippatreon.com, patreon.com. Uh, slash Voices of Wrestling, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Patreon, however you want to get there. Uh, $5 tier, correct, for all of the G1 uh, week uh, nightly reviews? 
Uh, yeah, $5 tier. $5 tier. So you have done all the way through Night 3. Night 3 posted a little bit earlier today. Uh, those have been very good. I've listened to them. They've gotten some great reviews so far. Uh, so you are going to continue, obviously, doing those. You can't. You already went three nights. You, you can't stop now. But uh, I don't know. More, more nights like Night 3, you might have to... <laughs> You might have to ask to stop, but uh, uh, it's been an interesting G1 Climax so far. This is obviously the first time with the brand new format. Things are a little bit different. Things are a little bit weird. Uh, Night 1 kicked off a couple days ago in Sapporo. Uh, Attendance for that show, uh, uh, 2,891. Uh, for that one, we'll, we'll, we'll briefly talk about the attendances here because we're going to talk about attendance a lot with with the Noah show. So I just thought I'd add into the New Japan one if we if we cared there. But uh, uh, Joe, I was just going to go night by night here and, and kind of quickly give thoughts about every match. Or you know, if we have no thoughts about a match, we'll just skip, move on. There's not that many. Uh, we think we can get through them pretty quickly because going over the standings right now is completely worthless. Because the A block had three people go, the B block have had three people go, C block obviously all the same. They've only had three people go. And it's just a three-way tie at two points. So there's no point in going over the box. I, yeah, there's no point in even bothering with that right now. I haven't done any standings on any of the shows yet because no well, one's had format, more than... It's not going to matter for a long time. Like, it's going to be weeks until any standings yeah, matter well, whatsoever. Maybe not, maybe not weeks, but, I mean, I, I there there isn't anybody who's wrestled more than once, and there's still four guys who haven't wrestled at all. So it's kind of silly to go over standings right now because, you know, half the block has two points. The other half point doesn't have any, the other half of the block doesn't have any points. It's, uh, you know, so there's really no point going over that right now. I think, um, after night five, after the second Ota city show, I think I'm going to, I'm going to start doing standings because everyone will have wrestled at least once by then. And then, actually, no, Tom Lawler doesn't wrestle until, yes. like, night seven. Yeah, no, it's night six or night seven for Tom Lawler. And I think somebody, maybe I'm wrong, and I don't have, I don't have it in front of me, but I thought somebody wasn't until night eight. Maybe maybe it's Tom Lawler that doesn't actually wrestle until night eight or whatever. That's what Let I'm saying. It's going to be, like, a week and a half or two weeks until you can really look at the ratings or the standings and have anything tangible to say about them. Otherwise, it's going to be, hey, here's a you know five-way tie for first place, and then everybody else has zero. Or, you know, it's Tom Lawler, tough. yeah. Tom Lawler's night eight. He doesn't wrestle until the thirtieth, and today's <laughs> That's the twentieth. That's its twentieth right now. Yeah, he doesn't wrestle till night eight. He because they're going to Tokyo, four straight shows, two in Ota City Gym, one day off, and then two in Corican. He doesn't wrestle any tournament matches in Tokyo at all, and then he doesn't wrestle until they take three days off and then go to Nagoya for night eight. He's the last guy to wrestle his first match, his first tournament match. So. Yeah, bizarre that he doesn't get his first match in until the tour is halfway over. If you want to look at it that way, right? It's, just about it, not quite half, but you know, yeah, about not, half. not that far off. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It, it's definitely a very, very weird uh, G one this year. So yeah, you got to just be aware of, of of that. So yeah, standings are not going to be very exciting uh, to hear people break those down, uh, unfortunately. But. Um, there you go. So let's uh, real quick. I'm gonna go over uh, every night here. Just do the recap. We won't do this obviously the whole way through the tournament, but at least you know we're only through three nights at this point. So I think it's easy to kind of do that and get into you know an understanding of hey who's doing what on this tour and who's you know who's showed out so far. But uh, night one Sapporo, as I said, attendance is 2,891. Uh, opening match was Aaron Hanare versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. You were correct in predicting uh, Hanare as the, one of the big upsets of the early uh, uh, rounds. I thought Ooh. maybe some other guys could have maybe Phantasm over Will. That didn't happen. It was Hanare versus Tanahashi in what I thought was a pretty fun match. I enjoyed this match a lot. Uh, 11 minutes, uh, 11 seconds, Hanari gets the win over Tanahashi. You know, it's interesting. Two interesting things. Number one, 
Hanari's been beating everybody with the full Nelson, but the full Nelson didn't work here, and he had to use the Streets of Rage. Yeah. That is a video game reference, Rich. <laughs> Thank <not> you. <laughs> streets of I'm Rage. I'm well aware of Streets of Rage. Were you a Streets of Rage guy? That's more. That was. I'm a little older than you. That was, I was more say. my time than your time, Streets of Rage, right? No, I went back. I, I, I went back and appreciated. Right? Yeah. yeah, I went back. I, like You know what? You're right, because I have a brother that's about your age, and him and his friends love Streets of Rage. Yeah, game so of fucking rocks. Were, yeah. Yeah, so that was your wheelhouse too. I it, guess because it, video games, you can be like eighteen to to eight and play the same video game. Right, right, right. You I, know what I mean? So like you could hit both air. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was so, playing Streets of Rage three. I was you know like seven or eight years old and playing that game. So you know, it's it's a little different animal. Uh, they recently came out Streets of Rage four, an updated game. It's very good, by the way. If you're if you want to, is it the same side scroll and yep, beat them up? Yeah, yeah. But it's updated, newer graphics, that sort of stuff. But it it, it holds true to the old Streets of Rage. So if you're, if you're same, simplicity. In, yes. same simplicity, yes. So if you're interested in dusting off this, the 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 the, uh, the Streets of Rage, you can you can do that. So. Um, the old side scroll. You know what they need to make a new? They need to make a new gauntlet. A new gauntlet. Yeah, they haven't made they a gauntlet in a while. They made a new uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Same, similar style. Similar. But yeah. the last new gauntlet, wasn't that Dark Legacy on the PS2? <sighs> the last, you're, you're starting to sound like a nerd here, Joe. People are going to, you're, you're losing some of your, uh, your street cred. Listen, I know things. You know, I, I know things. Mm, I'm trying to remember if that was the last. Dark Legacy may have been. PS2 and GameCube, I believe. Yeah, that may have been it. That may have been the last one, which is pretty wild because I played the hell out of the Gauntlet games for a long, 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 long time. Yeah, so that you know those that Gauntlet, that Gauntlet game was a fun game to play if you had like a girlfriend who didn't really like video games that much. Yeah, you're just like walk around and hit this button. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Like I'll tell you when to use your potion. Just <laughs> right. Don't use it until I tell you. Yeah. 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 Because they start the game, <laughs> yeah. they hit that button immediately. The whole screen blows up. You're like, no, 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 no. You got to save that. It takes your life. Like just you know, we'll use it. Right. Right. They we want to save those. Yeah. And, and 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 then, like they start to get good at the game and start stealing the food. From you, you know, yes, you're like, no, yeah, the I big old, the food. yeah, the big old turkey leg. You're like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. <laughs> like, I, this is how this works. We have to work together. I have less energy. I get the big turkey leg. Like, yeah. stop stealing my turkey leg. You know, and th- that's you, know, you always lead them in the battle because you're better at the game, right? Like, so, so your character will lead, and then you'll health will deplete, but they stink at the game, so you get all the food. But then they get better at the game, they start stealing your food. And then, and then you're like, no, 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 no. That listen, this is a co-op thing. You got it. We got to work together. Yeah, it's a team. It's a teamwork. Because if I die, you die. Okay, so you know, you got if whoever has let. That's the unspoken. That's when you know you got good video game chemistry. If you can play Gauntlet together and you have that unspoken thing where it's like, oh, okay, the person with less energy just gets that giant turkey like or the ham. And there a big ham. Yeah, a big ham. Like, yeah, there's a big old ham. There's one. Yeah, a big old ham with a bone in it and stuff. So, uh, yeah, they, yeah, they had yeah, Gauntlet yeah. Seven Sorrows that came out in oh yes 2006 yeah. on on PS2. And Same era. I don't Same think era. they've had a new one since then. Same era. Yep, I remember that one. Which is unfortunate. That, I preferred Dark Legacy. I did too. But, Dark Legacy was better. Yeah, for sure. But but I did play the other one too. Um, now listen, if you told me there was a new Gauntlet game. Coming out on the PS5, I'd go get a PS5. Tomorrow. Dust off the PS5, or oh, you don't I, even I, yeah, you don't even have it. Yet. I don't have yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, There's no games on the fucking. There game. is not any I, games. I don't have one either, and I play a lot of video games, and I'm just like, nah, I don't really need to get it because there's no games for it, so I'm good. Yeah, but you know, if you told me there was a Gauntlet game, a new Gauntlet coming out, you know, I I I'd, I'd go get one tomorrow. That and uh, 
ah, I don't know. No, no one cares about my video game uh, preferences, so we can. <laughs> they do. I think they probably do. I think this the, uh, you revealing that you're a gauntlet guy is probably going to have a lot of people talking. They're, they're not going to be able to believe. I think it. so. I think so. Because you always you're that, always yeah. like ah, Lord of the Rings, all that nerd shit. So I think you know you saying you like uh, oh, Lord of the Rings is. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah, I agree. I, I'm with you. But terrible series of movies. <laughs> um, but if, if you listen, if you if you told me there was a gauntlet coming out. And like a new twisted metal or something like that, I'd I'd buy the machine. Well, this, I know there's a twisted metal what TV show movie? There's a there's something yes. going on. Yeah. Oh, Samoa Joe is playing yeah. Sweet Tooth. Right, right, right. So that's it's good casting, I think. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Because but... that twisted metal black. I mean, everyone had that, and everyone had the same thought. This would make a, a, a good movie if the right person got behind. Yeah. It. Oh, for sure. The twisted metal black. But uh, Twisted Metal kind of lost its way on on uh, for a while there, and then Twisted Metal Black kind of because didn't they change studios or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think so. I, a lot, yeah, a lot happened around that time. They they did not do the yeah. They, there was this weird in between period before Black where it was kind of uh, yeah, it was it was not it was good. Kind of corny, and yeah, it wasn't yeah, it, yeah. like it had all the characters, same characters, but it was just cornball shit. But then Twisted Metal Black that brought you right back in. And I don't know if they've done anything since then, uh, a full-on game. I know they've done some mini-games. They've done a bunch, but I don't think – I haven't played any of them, to uh, be honest, yeah. Yeah, but uh, – Yeah, last, last I played was Twisted Metal Black for sure. So, yeah, if you're wondering when Joe's apex of video gaming was, uh, probably around 2001 to 2003, if you're not under, listening to all the references he's bringing up there. That uh, seems to be the, the wheelhouse for – I Listen, I'd, I'd play – see, uh, when we went to New Jersey, my brother – my brother's basement is a video game – history lesson he's got the time appropriate televisions with the system i gotta hang out with your brother i don't know why do i talk why do i do a show with you so your i introduced so much cooler than you do. so i introduced the kids because <laughs> i have that re- i'm looking at it right now i'm looking at my whole collection right here and my appropriate television time appropriate tvs and he he, I he he's one of those like i needs to be a crt tv nerds right like you can't have it on the hd well yeah like the There's nintendo lag. and yeah, the Nintendo play. Entertainment System has to have a TV from 1987, or he won't hook it up. Like, wow! He, All right, you know, he's even more hardcore than me. I love it. I love it. So I introduced the kids because they're old enough now to button smash and stuff. You know, I introduced them to the original Gauntlet on the on, on the Tengen cartridge, the the non licensed, yes, of course, <laughs> you know, black cover like the Tengen, like Tetris and Gauntlet. And uh, what were the other? Uh, maybe uh, Super Sprint, I think, was a Tengen game. Um, there were a couple others. And uh, Rolling you know, Thunder. I was remember Rolling Thunder. I, yes. So that's simple enough for them. To, of course, I had to blow in the thing. For Shinobi. I think Shinobi was one. Shinobi was. Um, uh, mm, I think it was. I don't know about Shinobi. Let, 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 I don't know about. Okay. Shinobi. All right. Oh, you know, you're right. Oh, I'm that, I, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm thinking of Ninja Gate. Hey, listen, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now. Jeez. <laughs> I remember when over he, and I'm looking at it. I got it. Are you old enough? Are you old enough to remember when Ninja Gaiden came out and people were blown away by those corny ass cutscenes? Yeah, no, I, I was, I was, I, I went back later in life and found out. A little about too young him. for yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, so even the I original. Think he, he, he bones the girl in one of them, or he gets a, a, a blowjob in it, right? In Ninja Gaiden? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. I think that. one of the cutscenes. Yeah, you need to go back. I think he. Uh, I would think I would remember no, that. No, I, I mean, think he gets uh, gets a little something something in, in one of those cutscenes. Yeah, you know that's 
that's flying a little too close to the to the fucking anime sun for me. Like like fuck pillows and tentacle porn and shit. So I I, I don't know how I feel about that. Honestly, now that I think about it. But uh, I, listen, I was just trying to tell an innocent tale of, uh, <laughs> of childhood of, lore. Yeah, go, of go the on. young children playing the original Gauntlet, the total overhead view where you just see their shoulders moving back and forth. Um, you know, and, and, and you have to navigate these mazes. Uh, but but yes, uh, and you got to sully it with cartoon porn. Unbelievable, Rich. This is why you can't be trusted on Torch. <laughs> That's why Wade Keller doesn't want anybody to fight me anymore. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's our review of Aaron Hanare versus Hiroshi <laughs> right, Yes, there you go. Uh, good uh, match. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, given Aaron Hanare, this one was 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 solid. He looked. Good. I think he looks really good in this too. Uh, he clearly went into this match knowing he was going to win. You know what I mean? Like he, you could tell he had an aura of confidence around him. Like he's like, yeah, I'm going to beat Tanahashi tonight, man. I'm going to I'm going to go. But yeah, it's perfect. Eleven minutes in and out. Tanahashi sold well. Hanare looked good. That's all you can ask for. So here's the interesting thing: Tanahashi loses. Um, Naito loses to Goto a few hours ago. They face each other next, Rich. If you go zero and two, you're like you're, you're pretty much done. You yeah, you're four pretty left. much done. Yeah, it's going to okay. take a lot of stuff getting right for you to because you only have four matches after that. Yeah. So whoever loses that Naito Tanahashi match, first of all, step one, they must run the table from there because three and three is absolutely not getting it done. But they're going to have to run the table and get a little bit of help. Because they won't have the tiebreaker against either Naito or Tanahashi, and those are big-time players. And they'll also have two losses. So the, they're, the loser of that's in the deep hole. That's why I said last week when Suit Williams came on, I think Tanahashi, because he's not on the final night, is either going to be eliminated before the final night or eliminated in his last match the night before the final night when he faces Kenta. Because remember, Kenta's last – well, not last match, but – because he had a few matches before the G1. But we didn't see Kenta for months because of all the damage he took in that match against Tanahashi right. with the, the no DQ gimmick. So that is just ripe for an upset. So I think what's going to happen here is Tanahashi is going to win three in a row. He's going to need that win over Kenta to, to be alive based on the results of the next night. And I think Kenta is going to eliminate – Kenta, who's already eliminated – I think will eliminate Tanahashi on night 17 or whatever that is. And then that block will come down to the two matches on the final night. So. Uh, next match was the D block, which I love. This is probably my favorite match of the entire tournament so far. Will Ospreay, El Fantasmo. I loved, loved, loved this match. I don't know what you thought about it. Um, I, I, I remember hearing you talk about it, but now I kind of forgot about it at this point, what, what you thought of this one. So this is good. I'm kind of fresh again in this because I listened to it a couple days ago, but I thought this was, Tremendous. I thought Will was was Will. You know, he he just is having an all time all time great year. Phantasma was so good in this match too. The back and forth of these guys, uh, the kickouts, uh, just crisp as hell, but in a good way. Like everything about this was just perfect. Both guys went out there trying to have a hell of a match. I was maybe a little surprised that Will got the win, but I, I suppose you don't want to stack up too many giant upsets in that first night, uh, especially. So Will just got the win, and the way he got the win, this finish. Oh my god, I love this finish so much. So Phantasmo gets a pinfall. He only gets two. He turns around to yell at the referee, and right in that moment that he turns around, Will takes his fucking head off with, with the hidden blade and pins him right there. It was awesome. I loved, loved, loved this match. I went four and a quarter. Uh, far and away my favorite match so far uh, of this G1. What did you think of this one? Hidden blade to the face, too. Not oh, to it, the got back. it was a brutal one, too. Brutal one. Yeah. I, actually, it can't be hidden. If it's to like, it was just, <laughs> yeah, it was just a blade. Yeah. It was just a slice. Um, yeah. No, but yeah, 
Will went for the os cutter and in one smooth motion, ELP countered it with a backslide, which was just a gorgeous spot. And again, he got the 2.9 or whatever. And you're right. He he went to complain to the ref and it's like this all took like a fraction of a second. It, it was just it felt like an organic. I don't want to say MMA style finish because, you know, it's goofy pro wrestling moves. You're not doing a backslide in MMA, but you get the idea. It was more of a sports like finish where it wasn't guys going through their their shit at the end of a match. And no, this was it came out of nowhere and it was perfectly done. And uh, yeah, I thought it was the best match of the night, but I did like a couple of the matches on night two a little better. Uh, Jay White and Sonata. Uh, I did not like this match at all. I don't know what your thoughts were. I definitely fell asleep at least one time <laughs> watching this match. And yes, I was watching it at night or whatever, but it was, yeah, I, I woke up and was like, oh God, it was, you know, Jay White was winning and it was over. I only went 18 minutes, but I don't know. It This did nothing for me, this match. And eventually I went back and rewatched it and I was like, no, it just did nothing for me. And it was kind of boring. What would what, you think of this one? I called this behind the paywall uh, the most boring three and a half star match I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you're not probably that's probably a good description because it's not. It wasn't bad. It was just boring. <laughs> like I don't right. know. Which yeah, I guess weird. is bad. Isn't that bad? That should be bad. But I, I guess it wasn't. Well, it wasn't bad though. It was just boring. Yeah. Well, I've always said the worst thing a pro wrestling match could be is boring. I mean, the idea is to entertain, but I at the same time I can't say it's a bad match. Right. It's weird. It's a look. Look, here's the thing. A lot of people really dug this match. I think if you're really into Jay White, you probably really love this match. But Jay White's very hit or miss for me. He's very hit or miss for you. Same with Sonata. This wasn't even sloppy Sonata, but the match to me just didn't have any juice. And I, I don't know. I, I, I graded it on their work, not on my entertainment yeah. level. Mm-hmm like the Dave Meltzer cop out, I guess. <laughs> right. I, don't, I, don't know. I didn't like this match, but I it was <laughs> empirically yeah. good. So I had to, to rate it what I had to rate it. Yeah, I get that. Because, yeah, it wasn't like these guys. These guys were this is exactly the match I was thought I was going to get with these guys. It's not like I got disappointed at all with what it was. It was exactly the boring match I expected it to be. Uh, and it's it's weird because, yes, yeah, sometimes Jay White just lands with me. And I'm just like, dude, so good. Uh, and sometimes Sonata does the same, but then sometimes both these guys have matches like this, and they both had match like this, uh, to me at least, where I was just like, not nah, just not doing a damn thing for me at all in this match. So, yeah, this was not great, but, um, eh, you know, move on and see what happens later in the round. But they finished off the night, I thought, with a pretty good match, Okada and Jeff Cobb. Um, nothing, I, I don't think it was better than Phantasmo and Will Ospreay. Uh, I thought it was solid as hell, though. Okada looked pretty good. Cobb, I thought, looked pretty solid. Um, 21 minutes, so it was obviously a little bit longer. It is the main event, so that's about where all the main events so far have been. Uh, the next night was 21, the next night was 22, so you can pretty much uh, expect your main events to go somewhere around 20 to 22 minutes or whatever. But uh, Yeah, hey, listen, that's what New Japan does with these tours. You're going to get an opening match with Team Filthy. You're going to get uh, the the final, the, the fifth um, uh, undercard match is going to be LIJ, and then your main event is going to be between 20 and 23 minutes. Every G1 is kind of you, – you learn the pattern quickly yeah. with, with the G1 and how the how the cards are laid out. But uh, this one, I, I, I thought it was solid enough. Uh, again, I, not my favorite match of the night, but I, I thought Okada and Cobb was solid. Where did where, you land on it? Yeah, good match, not a great match. Yeah, that's, that's probably uh, the best way. I think I went three and three quarters with it. So That's about where I was. So, um, you know, the thing about it is Cobb doesn't lose to anybody in this tournament except for Okada. 
He he went undefeated last year until he ran into Okada, and then Okada, you know, prevented him from winning the block. Comes out this year against Okada, and this is what we're saying. Cobb has Bad Luck Fale next, and he has him on night uh, five. So pretty soon, the uh, the the second night in uh, the second show in in Ota City, Jim uh, Cobb has Fale. If Cobb were to lose that match to Fale, I think he's finished. Because he'll be 0-2 with a loss to Okada, which means Okada would win any tiebreaker at 4-2. Okada's not going 3-3. So if Cobb loses to Fale, Mm -hmm. he would need Okada to go 3-3 in order to win the block. And we all know that's not happening. Yeah, it seems really unlikely, for sure. So if if you're approaching this tour from where you turn off your brain and and from a kayfabe point of view, Cobb-Fale all of a sudden becomes a very important match. Because that's that is that is a must win match for Jeff Cobb now, or he can't win the block realistically, unless Okada gets injured or something. So, so that was uh, that wrapped up night one. Uh, night two, uh, back in Sapporo. This night actually did a little bit better attendance wise, two thousand nine hundred forty two. A pretty minimal difference, but but enough uh, of a difference there. Uh, two thousand nine hundred forty two compared to two thousand eight hundred ninety one uh, for night one. Uh, your matches here will start out with Taichi and Tomohiro Ishii, which I had expectations of going in, of being pretty good. Taichi's good now. He's you know he's not doing the bullshit stuff anymore, thank God, because uh, there's enough bullshit up and down this G1 that we're going to talk about in a bit here. Um, he might you know sprinkle in some bullshit here and there, but in this match, he just went out there, and he's done this with Ishii before in the past, where they just go out there and they beat the shit out of each other, and they beat the shit out of each other for 15 minutes, and uh, I loved it. I, I thought this was a tremendous, tremendous match. I'd have it just slightly under Osprey and, and, and Phantasmo, but, but right in that mix for so far the best matches of the G1 for me. This was a night of beating the shit out of each other. Oh, it was. Um, You know, I have this neck and neck with Saber and Kenta for match of the tournament so far. I thought this was uh, this was really great, and I thought Taichi took Ishii out of his comfort zone. A lot of people are tired of the Ishii formula. Um, This was not the Ishii formula, and it was a great match anyway. So this was different right from the get go, and uh, you know. Behind the paywall, I went on a five or six minute um, uh, sort of monologue on Taichi and how, you know, say whatever you want about that guy, but he puts a lot of thought into his matches. He really does. He always weaves the history in. Um, He's a very thoughtful pro wrestler, and he often gets guys to wrestle out of their comfort zone and do something different. Look back at that Ibushi match, that kick match with Ibushi is another great example of that, maybe the best example of that. But this too, you know, the, the, the long history these two guys have with each other, which was explained great by the Kevin Kelly and, and particularly Charlton in this case were fantastic. If you didn't know anything about the history between these two, and yes, explain you got it all here. On here and, you know, and, and Taichi always does this. He, 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 look, it doesn't always land with him and he look. He was a shitty junior. There's no getting around that. He was a junior that would bring a. He could bring an entire card down. That Super J Cup that one year. Oh I mean, my god, that Super J Cup, awful. Yeah. You know. He, you know. And he. But as a heavyweight, he he. And you know, he's 42 years old too. This isn't a guy who you know. So he's got a lot of. He's been a wrestler for 20 years. So um, very underrated, and maybe one of the more underrated G1 wrestlers of the last half decade or so. He has these. He rarely has like the best match of the night or the best match in the tournament. 
you know, at the end of the day, he's not going to have a bunch of top 10 matches in the, uh, on the tour or anything like that. But night in, night out, this is a guy who, when his, when his ideas land, he really has some excellent outside-the-box matches. Yeah, yeah. There was the, the one a couple years ago with uh, Abushi, you know, the, 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 the kick match or whatever, yeah. which was just... Yeah, he, he goes... He, he definitely tries to break from the formula, which is great because a lot of guys go into the G1 and they have a formula. And we talk about it. The G1 is... It, for all intents and purposes, not meant to be watched the way that we watch it. A lot of times it's meant for, okay, they're, they're coming to this town on this day. So this town hasn't seen Jay White be a chicken shit heel yet. So he, J, Jay White's going to be a chicken shit heel and do the exact same stuff that he's done the last five or six nights or whatever. I haven't seen Balak Folly do his thing. So Balak Folly is going to do. So for us, the people that are watching every single one, watching every single night, watching all that sort of stuff, to us, it's a little boring because it's like, oh my God, it's the same. But, but, I will say what is cool about it is that Taichi does try to kind of deviate from that. Taichi does try to make things a little bit interesting in the G1. And, and, and yeah, he's a good worker. If, if you're, you, it, it's another one of these things. You can tell somebody who's outdated or not quite when they say, like, ah, I don't really, ah, Taichi sucks. And it's like, ah, he hasn't sucked in a while. It's been a very, very long time since he's truly, truly sucked. So, um, yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, it, it's definitely been a while since that. So it's similar to the uh, Will. Do, Will Osprey doesn't sell, or the Young Bucks don't sell, or Will only does flips or whatever. It's very similar to the, that, where it's like, oh, you're just not watching anymore. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. Now I know that you're not watching, and you're not worth. You know, your opinion's not worth talking to. So then we had Toriano versus Jonah. Toriano wins. Ha ha ha! By countout. Nine minutes and one second. Oh my god! Yay. I mean, by Yano match standards, I didn't hate it. Um, You know, check with me a few nights from now after a few more of these. But, um, you know, I I didn't hate it from that from from base from that baseline. But you probably could have trimmed a couple minutes off of it. If you're just going to do this finish anyway, I I I prefer the days when Yano would just win in like four seconds because it's like, all right, cool. Then we're then we're done. And and. It's just I, I we do the same. Oh my God, Yano won! What a surprise! And it's like, is, is it? He wins a lot of G one matches by countouts and nefarious yeah. means. It's not a surprise. It's not an upset anymore. And that's the problem. They've overdone it so much that it's kind of lost its its. There, there's no intrigue whatsoever for. Oh my God, Yano did something silly and he won via countout. Oh man, who would have ever thought it? So you know, I just picked up on it on night three, but um, New Japan's doing the thing where uh, Jonah on his ring entrance does the stomp and then the camera shakes yes, like they did yeah, in NXT. They, they took that from NXT, yeah. Yeah, I didn't notice it till night three, but um you know, New Japan's doing that too. He doesn't do it on the ring steps like in NXT, but he does it when he's in the ring, he does the stomp. And he's been teaming with Bad Dude Tito. I know. Can you believe Bad Dude Tito is in New Japan dude. for wrestling during a G one climax? Bad dude I, Tito, a former Former... Bad Dude Tito and Royce Isaacs are on a G1 <laughs> tour. Past, like, OG flagship Patreon, like, guys that you would make fun of. Back when, like, there was yeah. nothing going on, so you would do Lanza Lens NWA Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. like Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, yeah. And Bad Dude Tito was one of the... <laughs> it was an original meme of, like, the flagship Patreon. Yeah. I, never in a million years. If I would have said, you know he's going to be in New Japan for a G1 tour in a little bit, you would say, nah, okay, all right. Sure. Yeah. Tell me then that bad dude Tito and Royce Isaacs would be on a G1 tour, and I would ask you what the fuck happened to New Japan. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I would have said 
There's no way that's true. Yeah, there was a like massive a- sex scandal and everybody had to be fired. Yeah, all like or Hiroki I'd Goto say, got all of his family's money together and said, we're out of here, guys. And a bunch of people left with him. <laughs> it's for his I'd own say, company. Rich, yeah. unless there's been some kind of global pandemic, there's no way that that's ever <laughs> right, going to happen. Right. You know, it's probably what I'd say. Um, but yeah, though, no, here we are. And, and the, here's the thing, because we're not really not going to talk about the undercards at all. So we may as well get this in now. I don't think either one of them have looked out of place. Like, bad dude Tito, he's got himself some new gear. He's a he's a big motherfucker. He looks the part. And he's perfectly fine for these openers. And Royce Isaacs is a nice little wrestler who's been doing good things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trophy. Looks good. Good body. Yeah, good, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm all, I've been a big Royce Isaacs fan for a while. I think he's a solid as hell pro wrestler. Yeah, and he's the guy from Team Filthy that they picked to come over to team with Lawler on Lawler's off nights, which are every night until night eight. But it, it, so so that's the guy they picked, and I can't kill them for pick for picking him. You know, they had a bunch to choose from, but I, I think Isaac's was the right choice. So, and uh, good for those guys, you know. And 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 if night three showed anything, it showed that uh, you know because TMDK went against Team Filthy in the opener, and I was like, oh. Who's losing here? Is it going to be bad dude Tito or is it going to be Royce Isaacs? And it was Royce Isaacs who lost. Yeah. So well, bad dude's a big, Royce he's Isaac. a big boy, like you said. So yeah, they're going to obviously probably side with him a little bit more. And Royce, a little bit smaller, a little more compact. Uh, is going to be your guy that's going to take more of the, uh, uh, the falls there. But uh, speak, uh, so we talked about how night two was a beating the shit out of each other uh, night. C block match, Zack Sabre Jr. and Kenta beat the ever living shit out of each other in this match. Holy crap. Was this hard hitting? Zack Saber Jr. just slapping the hell out of Kenta. Kenta slapping the hell out of him. Uh, Zack Saber Jr. turning Kenta strikes into into holds. Like a lot of really good stuff. Kenta. This felt like a little bit of Kenta of old. It's obviously not the speed of Kenta of old, but the the the. It's like the 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 late Noah stages Kenta, where he was just annoyed and pissed off at everything. And he knew this thing yeah. was going down. He knew this sucked. He hated everybody. Everybody hated him. So he just went out there and just. Beat the shit out of dudes, just nonstop beating the shit out of guys, uh, and this was this match here. I, I I thought this was awesome. This is the match of the tournament for me. Uh, this was mean Kenta, and that was the story of the match. How Zack Saber Jr. is a Noah Young boy to him, and and uh, Saber trying to strike with him, but very unsuccessful in his attempts to. Um, you know, Kenta would win every exchange and then Sabre would, you know, try to t- turn the strikes into holds, which is, which is, he kind of baits you in and does that. That's, that's kind of, uh, you know, part of his style. And then Kenta really successfully finally beating down Zach and really having him beat. What happened was Zach came flying in and Kenta hit him with a knee, very, very much MMA style where a guy tries to shoot, but he catches a knee and he gets knocked out. That's my favorite kind of MMA knockout by the way, and they they did that here. Um, Kenta was too slow to get to the cover, but then he was able to uh, – he hit the Basiku knee or whatever you call that thing, and and, uh, and and he had him beat, but then he picked him up at the count of two. Then he had him beat again, he picked him up at the count of two. And then, uh, you know, he, he had him beat a third time, but Sabre was able to put on a wacky submission mm-hmm. and uh, on the on the taped-up shoulder of Kenta, and and – Kenta blew it because he he wanted to punish him so badly that he ended up uh, losing out on the points and Saber stole it. Great story, great intensity, great physicality. My favorite match of the tournament. And Kenta is just I mean he's got that giant scar down his back from January from the from that fucked up ladder in that no DQ match. 
he's got his shoulder taped up, which I don't <laughs> he know. He looks brutal. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know whether that the shoulder is a work or a shoot. I don't uh, know if it's... Probably a little bit of A, a little bit of B, I would say. At this point, Kenta being Kenta and the way his body has... has bro- I would say any injury is half work, half shoot for Kenta at this point. Yeah, but at the same time, you've got Zack Sabre Jr. like drop kicking it. And like it's the tar- it's going to be the target of every yeah. match because mm-hmm. it's taped up. So I don't know if, like you're saying, probably a little bit of both. But because um, you think he's been basically out since January, he wrestled a couple of matches at Corican before this tour. But when would he have even have injured his shoulder? I mean, so I, I don't know. But the point here is, it doesn't matter. The point here is that was the target of the attacks and it ended up playing into the finish. Just a brilliant match, I thought. And uh, the physicality was was off the charts. I mean, these guys were laying into each other, especially Kenta. And yeah, you're you're right about that. This is late stage Noah Kenta, where you know, um, you know, his his body was already starting to fail him, and he was making up for that by just being this grumpy asshole <laughs> right. who was going to stiff you. And you know, and and you know, if that's how he's going to work throughout this whole tournament, I'm in. He's going to have a he's going to have a great tournament. Yeah, yeah you know, I'm, he's in. Gonna, I'm in for sure. Yeah, uh, and this is a little different, obviously, because it's it's Zack Sabre Jr. So there is that story that you know, like you said, that he considers him a Noah Young boy. So he was treating him like he was Kenta in late stage Noah against a Young boy, beating his you know the shit out of him. But yeah. obviously, Sabre could could fight back a little bit more than than you know those Noah Young boys could at that time. So I thought it was a really fun story for a match, and yeah, just a really really good stuff. Sabre is another guy who I think has underrated G ones too. He always brings some very interesting stuff to the table. Yeah, no, I, he does, and um, you know, to me. This is this is the match that you know. I'm sure someone will top it at some point, but this is the match to beat to me. This is the match of the tournament so far. I th- ooh, 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 ooh. If, would I put? I think I still like Will and Phantasma a little bit more, but it's close. That's fair. It's That's fair. Right neck and neck. Right neck and neck. Uh, and then the main event uh, was the D block match: Juice Robinson versus Shingo. Uh, this is. A, I would you consider this an upset, or do you think that Juice is on a trajectory right now where this is not an upset? Juice over, no, over Shingo. I, I, it's like I said last week. They're not pushing Shingo right now, right? So this, to me, this was just a neon sign that that Juice was going to win this because you know he's doing this new uh, you know rock hard gimmick, and this block is going to come down to to him and Will. And Shingo is a guy that you can beat right now because they're not doing anything of importance with Shingo. So with Juice's first match. In the G1 with this new gimmick, Shingo's like the perfect guy to beat because yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I agree. I'm with you, too. Yeah, it's like a big star, but it's also someone where you don't have to worry about beating him right now. Right, you'll be taken so, aback that, like, and I was, too. I was like, holy crap, Juice beat Shingo. That's nuts. And I'm like, well, yeah, no, it, when, when you really think about it, when you really, really analyze it, it makes sense. It's, it's probably the way to go. But I bet a lot of people have that similar reaction, like, oh, wow, that's a big upset. Juice means business here, you know, and that's exactly the intention that you want here. And that's exactly how you should use somebody like a Shingo right now. If you're not planning on Shingo, you know, winning the G1 and you're not planning on Shingo winning, you know, a title anytime soon, this is the perfect way to use him to let Juice Robinson beat him. Really sell that this new Juice Robinson character, this new Juice Robinson stuff is serious. It means business, that he's leading up to that match with Will, that he's kind of a pseudo champion because he's still carrying around that one title. So uh, the U.S. title. So it all it all worked out pretty well. And it was you know shocking in the moment. Like, holy crap, Juice just beat Shingo. But it makes all the sense in the world. It's exactly the right way uh, to book this match here. So, so credit to them on that for sure. I mean, Juice might win the block because when he faces Will, he's got... Juice has the physical belt, but Will's the champion. So to set up a title match between the two, it makes more sense for Juice to beat Will 
and still claim that he's the real champion or whatever. And then Juice can lose in the semifinals of the tournament or whatnot. And then you just do Juice and Will as like the semi-main event on fucking Destruction and fucking Beepoo or whatever, you know? So, um, yeah, no, but I, I wasn't surprised that Juice won the match for all those reasons we talked about. The problem was I don't think the match ever got to a second gear. No, no, no. I, the match was, was not good enough. It was good, but it was. Yeah, I, I expect a lot more for, for a main event, especially uh, with Shingo in there. Shingo has a certain level that, that you kind of always want him to get to and, and and juice I thought might be able to get to that level especially in the main event of, of a G1 but um it was good but it it wasn't it wasn't great by any means especially on this night that had two tremendous tremendous matches yeah no this was uh yeah this this wasn't a, anything close to the Taichi Ishii or uh Saber Jr. Kenta match now then we had night three in Sendai. Attendance was 1,414. Now, obviously, that's a huge fall from Sapporo. I don't know the difference of the like uh, what was being sold or what capacity, all yada yada, all that sort of stuff. Just reading the attendance here, just thought I would kind of put that in there. But uh, yikes, 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 night three. And this was one that you look at the lineup and you go, hmm, maybe I should skip this show. Now, it's too early in the tournament. I can't skip this. I got to watch this entire show. I got to watch all these matches. I got to do this. I'm a completist. I want to watch the whole G1. I need to see what everybody does in every single G1 match. Uh, I should have skipped it. You all should have skipped it. We all should have skipped it. Joe, you could not skip it because you had to do uh, the review for FlagshipPatreon.com. So you, unfortunately, had to watch this night. I, an idiot, also watched this entire night, finished up right before... Uh, we got uh, on the air here tonight, but uh, this was brutal. This is this is a, a, a pantheon bad G one night, right? Like I, I can't recall off the top of my head one any worse than this in in, in a long, long, long time. No, I mean, it, can Tamatanga and Chase Owens do they have a better match than this in them? Yes, they do. Of course. Yeah. I, can David Finley drag Yujiro to something better than he did on this night? He <laughs> maybe, can. May, maybe. He didn't hear. No. Uh, and, and then they do another count out with Fale. I mean, if Fale and Archer are just going to do a monster match in the monster block and beat each other up, there, there's there's some alternate universe where that can be a good match or, you know, but th- this was not that. And then at that point, and even the, this was even the least interesting undercard, if you really want to take it to, to, to certain extremes. So then at that point, you need Goto and Naito to save you, and they're certainly capable of that, but I didn't think they had a great match either. They had a good match. Um, so all in all, this was one of the worst G1 nights that I can recall because, you know, the main event was good, you know, three-and-a-half star range, and the rest of the G1 matches were were bad. I would call them all bad matches, and then the uh, the undercard was, was, you know, absolutely nothing going on either. So... Um, not good. I mean, you know, it's like if I'm da- – look, I understand he's in there with Yujiro. I get it, okay? But if I'm David Finley and I haven't been in a G1 in seven years and this is my big opportunity, I don't know, man. I'm trying to have the best match of my life every night I get in the ring. I, I mean, that would be my mindset. And it's not just that it was a nothing match with Yujiro. It's that I didn't see any kind of special effort out of Finley. And I get you're in there with a guy who you can only do so much with a Yujiro, that direct quote we always bring up every year from a wrestler in this company. <laughs> but it's like you can only do so much with a Yujiro. I get that. Who, but who may be wrestling at some point in the next I, I did what I could with a Yujiro. A Yujiro, yes. But still, you know, and it's like this was a night full of guys who were like on that proverbial cut line. 
Finley, Chase Owens, Tamatanga, Yujiro, Fale, you know, and if, if they would have gotten more stars from AEW or, or if they would have said yes to Jake Lee, some of these guys wouldn't even have been in this tournament. You got Carl Fredericks, who's, who just sunk his own career by complaining about not being in this tournament. You're in it. And I didn't see like Tamatanga and Chase Owens. Did you see maximum effort from these oh, two guys? Oh, no. God, fuck no. Jesus Christ. I no. mean, and this and they're feuding on top of that. Like you, you, there's a story behind their match, at least. You know, Finley and Yujiro is just a fucking match. Tamatanga and Chase Owens are in the middle of a hot feud. It's like, and it's still, I didn't see the kind of effort you would expect to see. You know, here's the kind of effort. Here's the analogy I'm going to make you. Okay. In the old days in the NFL, you had four preseason games. Now it's three. Okay. I want to see third preseason game effort from guys on the cut line in this tournament. Guys like this. They should be trying to solidify their spots moving forward. They should be trying to solidify pushes moving forward and all of those things. They should make sure, look, every all of their attitudes, these guys that were on this show, their attitude should be, I'm not getting replaced by John Moxley next year. I'm not getting replaced by Brian Danielson. Miro's not moonwalking in here and taking my spot for three weeks. Okay, I'm going to go in there every night and have the match of my life or die trying. And I did not see that from any of these people. And this is the group of guys that should be trying the hardest. Hey, Shingo ain't going anywhere. Okay? Zack Sanford Jr. can mail in half his matches. It's not going to matter. You're Chase Owens or Finley. Okay? I mean, geez. Finley, it's seven years. This is what we get. I know. this. I, I was probably most disappointed in his effort because it was like, all right, here you go. This is your chance to show people, you know, and, 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 and there's no question that I think he's probably been frustrated by, you know, all his peers doing much better than he is. And, well, that's just why. Like, efforts like this is why they're all doing stuff. This is why Juice is, is where Juice is. And that's why, you know, Jay White, you know, uh, you know, yeah, I didn't love Jay White, you know, his, his, his match in, in night one. But, like. It's Shay White. I mean, he's done a t- tremendous job, you know, c- growing and, and becoming what he is. And Juice has, you know, reinvented his entire career and stuff. And and Finley's obviously going to try to do that here and try to reinvent himself as a singles guy. But, like, that's just really bad. I mean, yeah, it's Ujiro. It, I know. It's Ujiro. But, like, yeah, I needed to see. And I, this was a night of no – I mean, there was three matches back-to-back. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to besmirch Lance Archer because I think he at least tried in his match. But – there's really nothing you can do with a bad luck follow at this point. I guess we'll get to that when we get to it. But um, there was just a lot of night of matches of no effort. And then the main event was like, you know, it was perfectly acceptable pro wrestling. But that wasn't enough on a night like this. Not, not It wasn't enough to, to, to get this night back from where it was. Because these were three of the most pathetic matches I've seen in a G1, really ever. And, and Man, a lot of I'm guys Tomatonga, that I don't want to see in a G1 ever again if this is the effort they're going to give me. If I'm Tomatonga and Chase Owens, I, I mean, if I'm Tomatonga, I pull Chase Owens aside and say, hey, man, look at the card tonight. We can steal the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're giving us 15 minutes. Let's go out there and have the best fucking 15-minute match that we can possibly have. And those two guys have a great match in them. I mean, they're not Ujiro where it's like, you know, once a year he might, you know, do something that that surprises you. Those guys are capable. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to be harder on them. You want to give Finley a pass because he's in there with Yujiro, who isn't even in the best of shape either. I mean, he's, you know, right now for whatever reason either. But it's like, look, Finley has a main event match coming up with Juice Robinson and Cork and Hall. Former tag team partners, a lot of history, main event, Cork and Hall. <laughs> okay? If, if that's put up or shut up in my mind for Finley. 
Because there's no reason that shouldn't be a great match. In front of that crowd in that building with the history between the two guys involved. Because Juice didn't exactly blow me away in his opener either. Those two guys got to go in there and have a great match. And get that clap crowd to the point where they're making those mouth noises even though they're not supposed to. That's what I want to see out of David Finley and Juice Robinson and Corkin in a week or whatever it is. So, you know, that's what bothers me the most. It's like, I, these are the guys that should be trying the hardest in this tournament. So, uh, just a crap night all around. Just nothing. I mean, if, if you're listening to this, there really is nothing you need to see here. Mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater with the main event, but it, that wasn't anything special either. It was, you know, just picture a good Goto versus Naito match. That's what it was. If you need to see a good Goto Naito match, by all means, you'll get one. But, you know, the rest of this show, complete waste of time. Um, all right. So as we said there, uh, no reason to really go over the standings. Uh, we are going to be back at it for night four and night five. Night four is July 23rd on Saturday. Night five is July 24th on Sunday. Your night four lineup is Zack Sabre Jr. versus Aaron Hanare in the C block. Uh, D block is Yoshihashi versus Shingo Takagi. A block, Yoshihashi's first match. Yes, Yoshihashi's first match. A block is Okada versus Yano. Um, and then the B block match is going to be Tomori Ishii versus Jay White. So it looks like a pretty fun night, all things considered. Okada and Yano will probably not be good, but everything else has potential to be pretty damn solid on, on, on night four. Ishii and Jay White, of course, a rematch from Ishii spoiling Jay White a couple of years ago. Yep. A match that they put on New Japan World for free a couple of days mm. ago. So, look, yeah, and, and this will be the same city, not the same building, but the same city where it happened and everything. So that's a big time main event. Uh, and then night five, uh, as I said, that's on Sunday, uh, July 24th. D-Block, El Phantasmo versus Yujiro Takahashi. We'll see if El Phantasmo can make something uh, out of Yujiro. B-Block is Sonata versus Taichi. A-Block, God help us all, Jeff Cobb versus Bad Luck Fale. Uh, and then C-Block, like you said, a match that you really are going to want to focus on because it's a big, big, important match. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Tetsuya Naito. And that's important all the time because it's Tanahashi versus Naito, but doubly important in this tournament because one of these men might be done. After night five, they're gonna be in a real bad spot if they lose. Um, you know, I was thinking about something with Fale and Yano because they're in the same block and they both won by countout. Are we building towards like a countout battle between Fale and Yano? Mm, God, like a match built around them trying to count each other out. I think that's what we're what we're, what we're doing here. Yeah, great. Well, I you know what? Make it eight, make it four minutes then. You know, if you're gonna do this shit, I don't care. But let's yeah. get in and out of here. I don't want to waste. Well, it. it, it I'm just going to do what I always do and just skip these guys' matches. Was it that? It's either that or, look, Yano went in by countout. That surprises no one. The bad luck folly one. So it's either they're building towards something wacky with those two or to make the points work, Archer had to lose this one and they're giving Archer and AEW some respect by not pinning him. That could be it too. Yeah, We'll find out pretty soon. I, I, I thought it was more of the they're giving them respect. They didn't want... Yeah. Archer to take a fall from Fale, but they wanted Fale to you know beat him. So that that's how I read it. But I guess we'll find out if if, if pretty soon if they're doing you know what the, what they are going to do. So yeah. And that is your G one again. As we said, flagship Patreon dot com, Patreon dot com slash Voices Wrestling, Voices of Wrestling dot com slash Patreon. Daily G one audio from Joe uh, reviewing it. Uh, what do you say? You've been like what five six hours or so after the show ends, uh, basically getting getting them up there. So at some point during the day. 
uh, getting a review up there. So yeah, it's not like you're gonna have to wait two days or a week or whatever to get the review. You're getting it uh, within the same day as as, as most of these G ones. Oh, they go up in the, yeah, they go up in the, the the shows end at like in America, you know, like six in the morning on the East Coast or whatever. I get them up early afternoon, mid afternoon. Um, so yeah, the turnaround time is pretty quick, and you, you know you get. You know, more detail than we're doing here. You you get the spoiler-free recommendations that people have demanded. They really enjoy that. So I open up the show and give you spoiler-free what you need to watch, what you don't need to watch. So a lot of people like to hear that, then go back, watch what I tell them to watch, you know, to save time because people don't have time to watch these shows wall-to-wall. And, uh, you know, then I review each match in detail, and we take a look at what shows are coming next. We take a look at this year because the schedule so different. We take a look at when each guy wrestles next and who they're wrestling. So, and then, um, you know, as the tour moves along, we aren't doing it yet, but we will shortly, we'll do the detailed standings and all the different advancement scenarios. Um, as I talk myself into a circle. And then what I also like to do is the top five matches of the tournament. And then as we get deeper, I expand it to a top 10 matches of the tournament. So people like to follow along with that too, to see where their favorite matches land on my top 10, to see what my top 10 looks like by the end of the thing. So um, the audio ranges anywhere from 20 minutes to 40 minutes, uh, somewhere in that range. So you're in and out. I don't take up your whole day. And uh, we've been doing it for years now, every year that we've had the the Patreon. So there's got to be year three or four at least with this daily G1 audio. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that it's a favorite of the subscribers. So um, if you're watching the G1, you're following along, you want, detailed analysis every day and less and less sites are doing this now because you know new japan coverage isn't trendy anymore or isn't as trendy as it used to be so i only know of uh really one other site and i'm not going to plug them that's still doing the daily audio uh head to head with me here and you know all the others have dropped out so uh it's one of the only places you're going to get it obviously if i'm doing it it's going to be better than the other guys that are doing it um and you know five dollar tier so jump in there you go. All right, so let's get to, uh, we're going to get to Noah and some other stuff, but I do have to let you know that this episode of the Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our friends at HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and best of all, affordable. That is why it is America's number one meal kit. And they have a lot of summer stuff as well. You can bust out the grill with uh, with HelloFresh. And I have done this a few times as well. So you can bust out the grill on a nice warm evening and make dinner from HelloFresh's cookout collection with recipes like Melty Monterey Jack Burgers. You can skip the grocery store and spend more time soaking up the summer sun. HelloFresh Market is a one-stop shop for all of your mealtime needs with quick breakfasts, lunches, snacks, desserts, and more as well. Uh, one of the big parts about HelloFresh that makes them kind of stand out why they are America's number one meal kit is that if you're going away uh, for the summer, if you need to skip weeks, if you need to say, hey, look, I don't want anything for June. I'm going to be gone most of the time. Or, hey, I don't need anything for July. I'm going to be gone for, for two weeks. You can just skip it. You're fine. You don't have to do that. You can even do another thing where you update your delivery address. If you say, hey, I'm going to be somewhere for a long time, and I actually kind of want the HelloFresh there, you can do that. They will allow that. It's The the lead time is not that much, so you can update your delivery address and enjoy HelloFresh at your vacation destination with just one click. Uh, plans are super, super flexible. Foolproof step-by-step recipes mean a more joyful cooking experience and a stress-free summer. Plus, HelloFresh cuts back on the time spent in the kitchen with meals ready in around 30 minutes or less. So you can go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use our promo code VOW16 for 16 free meals 
across seven boxes and three free gifts. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. You use the promo code VOW16, and you get 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. As well, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. One more time, HelloFresh.com slash VOW16, and use that promo code VOW16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts from HelloFresh. All right. There we go. All right, let's talk... About Pro Wrestling Noah, Joe. They had Destination 2022, July 16th from Budokan, uh, famous Nippon Budokan. Uh, attendance here was two, uh, 3,215. 3,215. Uh, now, to date, in 2022, there have been five shows at Budokan. Also, uh, we thought we'd at least uh, touch on those, the attendance-wise for those. Uh, New Japan, Best of the Super Juniors on June 3rd. They had 3,520. Uh, for attendance, so they beat uh, this Noah Destination 2022 show by about, what, 300 or so uh, fans. Uh, New Japan had the New Japan Cup March 2nd. That had 2,007 fans, so that was not as uh, uh, about 1,000 less people for the New Japan Cup there on March 2nd. Uh, New Japan's anniversary show had 3,182, so slightly below uh, this Noah Destination 2022. I'm sorry, wasn't that the Desperado main event? Uh, the um, anniversary show on March first, yes. And that that was not a good number, and nobody no, was happy with that. If, that was if a bad that was one. A, that was uh, no. That was okay. No, the anniversary one. Are you talking about the anniversary or the the Super Juniors anniversary? The anniversary that was uh, Fujinami Tanahashi Okada versus Fujiwara oh, Suzuki and Saber. That that one. Desperado was the year. Um, that's a year before this right. pandemic, man. It's just all <laughs> you've lost track of time and place and the twenty one. The, the, the 2021 anniversary yes. show was Desperado, and that did not draw well either. What would be the date? Let me look that up. Hold yeah, on, just, just see if you can get that one. It'd probably be, it'd be February or March uh, of 2021. Uh, and then finally, Noah, at the beginning of the year, literally the first day of the year, the New Year's show, January 1st, uh, that had attendance of 3,181. So this uh, Noah Destination show, slightly above that one, uh, at 3,215 over the uh, Noah the New Year, 3,100. And eighty-one. Uh, last year, February twelfth, Noah ran Destination twenty twenty-one. Uh, they ran it in February, as I said. Uh, that had four thousand one hundred ninety-six uh, fans for that show. That was Keiji Muto <laughs> defeating Goshi Ozaki for the GHC uh, Heavyweight Title. So a pretty big fall from where they were last year. Uh, Joe, anything that you can analyze? Anything you can take away from these attendance numbers? Or are you still kind of in the same path of? I don't know exactly what some of the um, you know. Well. I, you know, it's hard because we've been in pandemic so long and all this, but it, it, you got to start looking at it eventually. Last year's anniversary show was Despi and Ibushi, and that did a little over 3,000, 3,026 fans in, uh, in Budokan. So New Japan was up a little this year with their anniversary show. Because remember that Despi show, um, even at the time, it was considered um, not a good number. Yeah. Now, the Noah shows, it's hard to compare. I mean, I because I don't know. The, the distancing and who's allowed to sell what and but you can compare the noah shows head to head with other noah shows and that number from last february where they did over four thousand fans uh they were pleased with that and they've been disappointed every time they've run the building since i mean i wrote a big story about the last time uh they came back to the building and they were so down from the year before with that muto shiozaki match and did a little journalism here and there was one native wrestler in the locker room who said that the company is very disappointed in the number that they pulled for this show. So basically the same number as the last time they were in the building. Right. And, and the thought process was 
that with this being one of the Muto six retirement right, matches, one of the that final with, few times to see Keiji Muto wrestle live. Correct. That the feeling was it was going to draw more in line with the Muto Shiozaki match from last year, but uh, it didn't. And there was disappointment in the number. It's not considered a good number because the last, the, the last two Noah shows weren't the last Noah show wasn't considered a good number when they did. Uh, uh, what was it? A little under 3,200 people in the building. Yeah. The no, no, um, the new year, January 1st, uh, 3,181. That caused a booking reshuffling and everything else because that number was so right, poor. Right. So, and this number was essentially the same. And uh, no, it is not considered a good number. And, you know, we were even told that from from a native wrestler in the locker room that the talk was not happy with the number. And they thought Muto's first retirement match would draw better. And it didn't. Um, you know, it seems as though, you know, this Muto thing, I'm sure the final one as Great Muta will draw. His, his last match in Noah is going to be as the Great Muta. Yeah. But what's happening is his contract will then expire and he's going to do one more retirement match and he's still shopping that around. He's offered it. He's offering it to Noah. I think new Japan's going to get it, but he is also talking about doing a produce show. I don't think he intends to do a produce show because I think that's just part of the leverage to, to right. well, he wants someone there. else to foot that bill. And I, I, and I don't blame him at all. He wants someone yeah. to give him X amount of dollars they do all the hard work and, and, you know, he gets the money and, 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 and the glory and that sort of stuff and getting the attendance or whatever. But yeah, putting together a produce show, I mean, that's, that's a lot of work on your end then, as opposed to there's, there's companies in play and there's, there's a lot of companies that probably are going to, you know, like you said, that, that want to have that, uh, because they think it'll be, you know, do, do good business. And they're probably right. It probably will do good business. And we'll, you know, how good a business will, 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 you know, maybe discuss when the time comes or whatever. But like, no, if I'm him, no, for sure. I'm, I'm making new Japan or Noah, uh, uh, uh try to vie for that. Uh, final night. I'm not spending my time doing a produce show or any of that shit. So I don't have any insight or anything like that. My gut just tells me New Japan's going to get that match. I think when push comes to shove, I think New Japan is going to want that match, and I think they're going to do what it takes to get that match, especially in their 50th anniversary year. And I'll actually, technically, that will be next year though, so the 50th anniversary stuff won't mm-hmm. won't be a factor. But uh, I think New Japan is going to throw their weight around and 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 get that match. And honestly, That's I think right. That's the right place for it too. It's the yeah, it's the right place for it, and and it's also they have there's more options for it to be the biggest possible match as well because they have bigger stars. So you want to do Tanahashi, you want to do Okada, I don't whoever name the names. Noah doesn't have anybody that can match the star power that New Japan has. So um, ultimately, I think they're going to get the bout, but he's smart to work everybody against each other for now and get the best deal possible. And I think that's why he's, you know, talking about doing a produce match. That's just to add a third bidder. And so, right, you know, exactly. that's so yeah. he can say, Oh, well, I'll just do this thing myself. Right. Right. Um, uh, if you're not going to give me this, I'll just do it on my own. And they're like, no, 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 fine, fine, fine. You'll get this. You'll get this. So yeah, he's, he's playing. He's it out. nothing. He's, if not, a, he's nothing. If not a worker, <laughs> he is I mean, absolutely a worker. Yes. <laughs> Which we'll get to in a moment. He is a worker. Indeed. He is. A professional but, wrestler in all senses of the word. So, but yeah, not considered a good attendance. They really thought they'd they'd get back to the you know, the the, the twenty twenty one levels in the building with both the Muto match with Kiyomiya and also with with Kojima. Um, which, by the way, you know, um, don't run the tape. But we gave Kano zero percent chance. I think was the number we said zero percent. <laughs> To, uh, to win the, no, to win the title. no, it couldn't have been um, zero. Don't listen back. I, I'm sure it wasn't zero. Don't listen back and find out, though. Uh, 
But uh, yeah. Oops. Look, look, I, look. I thought they would do Muto Kojima. They still will. I think one of his matches will be against Kojima. I just figured it would be for the title, but maybe it's just better this way, where you don't have the politics of a title involved. Because if you put a title on, Muto, <laughs> they may have been have so worried. They may have been so worried that Muto would have said, "I want that title." Baby. And they're like, you know what I mean? Like, because I could see just get that title away from the negotiating table, get it as far away as possible, because. I, I could I could see that hey, he's he is a master politicker. He is a master worker. I could absolutely see, you know, a few days before the match, he's stroking that goatee saying, ah, you know what? It would be a pretty good idea if I won that title. And, they, you know, they it's it's I, I get it. I totally in hindsight, it makes sense why they why they would get the title away from it. But, yeah, I, I kind of thought that the bigger. Yeah. And, and really, the bigger attendance match would be Mudo going for that title one more time or going for that yes. chance. Uh, to win that title, but they may have been so terrified about the politics involved with that, which would the be the two guys that the two guys that won all of those belts. Because if you throw in the NWA belt, they're the right, only right, two right. that. Um, you know, so I thought that would be the the angle. It's not, but you could still have a match between the two guys who have won all of those belts. You just don't have one of them on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, Kojima really likes Kano. He likes Kano and he likes Nakajima. Uh, they obviously weren't going to go with Nakajima right now. Um, for various reasons so they went with kano um kojima you know he's not needed in new japan right now and you know he probably really liked the idea of of adding this title and and to his collection and being one of the two guys to win all these belts and uh you know i'm sure he'll be back for there i I don't know if he's going to be working on a you know working the tours necessarily now that he's no longer champion he might i don't know but um you know, he'll definitely be back for the bigger shows, and I do expect him to wrestle Muto. But, um, you know, those are the two big stories, or well, the three big stories. Number one, the show uh, kind of bombed at the gate. Um, I don't call it a bomb, but it definitely wasn't a success at the gate. Um, we have a new GHC champion, and, of course, the Kato Kiyomiya finally beats Muto. Um, you had no faith. You were like, fuck that. This old fuck's going to win again. <laughs> well, um, I mean... And, and and I mean, okay, I was he may have mostly lost. right. <laughs> I was going to say the result I was yeah. wrong about. But. He may have lost, but he certainly didn't put anybody over. I mean, you know, and we'll get into that. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about it. But uh, Kiyomiya wins, and um, I guess let's just talk about it now. That's I. That's yeah, the we, big we story. Go, yeah, we'll go. We'll go all over so. that. We'll go all over order. We don't have to go through the entire order of the show and and stuff. Let, let's that, let's just that's, do that match right now. Yeah, let's so, talk about it. I mean. Look, he finally beats him after the two losses, the draw, taking all the falls in the tag matches. Just, but look, if if that this wasn't a pristine example of someone putting someone over, <laughs> no, not this was, they, 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 the the English commentators told me ah passing the torch moment. I went ah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 30 seconds after they called it a massive upset, yeah, which is also something you probably don't want to say in this situation. Right, right, um, right. So, you know, no, and, this, and this was not a passing the torch moment. This wasn't an old gutsy vet laying his heart on the line and 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 letting the young whippersnapper prove that he was better and and, and truly give him that moment and give him that shine and say, yes, you are the new generation. You are going to push pro wrestling forward in the years to come, sir. Thank you for giving me an effort. Thank you for, for, for beating me. Thank you for learning under the, the, the guidance of myself and you now go forward uh, and, and, and live wrestling and be wrestling and be everything. It was not that it was not that. At no, this all. was, this, this was Hulk Hogan begrudgingly putting someone over and making sure that he came across still looking like a badass in doing so. 
that's what this was. Muto and Hogan are, are the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, for people who didn't watch this and never will watch this and just listen to our show and don't really watch Noah but enjoy listening to us review things, I'm sure everyone could relate to Hogan in situations where he quote-unquote put people over, but really he didn't put them over. You know, um, the way that he sneakily took the shine off Ultimate Warrior right. at WrestleMania. Kicked six out at 3.1, slammed his he- hand on the mat. No! And just I the mannerisms, the title. Uh, just the mannerisms yeah. and the facial expressions as yeah. he was leaving the ring, where he, he, Hogan was a master of making the fans feel bad for him yes. instead of feeling good for the guy exactly. that beat him. Exactly. And, and, and Muto in this match, he didn't put Kiyomiya over. He, first of all, um, he didn't even, you know, the finish was completely absurd. I mean, okay, let's, let's even go before the match itself. I mean, in the build to this match, Kiyomiya on his social media, it was, oh, I'm learning all of Muto's moves. I'm learning the shining wizard. I'm learning the, uh, figure four. I have to be Muto to beat Muto. That's a giant ego stroke in and itself. This entire story from start to finish is a terrible, terrible pro wrestling story. It was awful. It was an awful story. The story here was basically the 25-year-old stud blue chipper, future ace of the company, cannot beat a crippled old man unless he becomes the crippled old man. That's not a good story. It's an ego-stroking story for Muto. But when has the story ever been different for Muto? No, I was going to say. Yeah. have to stroke his ego. So right there is a huge mistake. You have Kiyomiya cosplaying Muto in order to beat him, and he's continuing it. I don't know if you've seen his social media since the match, Rich, but he's moving forward. He's going to be doing Muto's moves mm. and wearing Muto's colors and being Muto. Which Never won't allow anyone really to works get out. This yeah, the great Sonata did not exactly work out for Mr. Sonata. So I don't it's know. a garbage story. It's an ego stroke for Muto. It doesn't do anything for Kiyomiya. I don't know if it's going to hurt him. It might not matter, but it, none of this helped Kiyomiya. None of this over the last two years is going to help Kiyomiya. Okay. So even before they even step in the ring, the story stinks. I mean, this is just a laughably bad pro wrestling story. Okay, they get in the ring. Muto is less mobile than ever, if you can believe it. Because ever since uh, the last time these two were, he had another hiatus. He had more hip issues. He had more procedures or whatever. And he was less mobile than ever. And this match was completely absurd. Trying to watch this 25-year-old stud in the prime of his career work down to a literal crippled old man. That's what he is. He's a crippled old man. And Kiyomiya has to work down to this. It's absurd. It's silly. You cannot suspend your disbelief for this. I thought this was the worst match they've had yet because Muto was at his absolute worst. I don't know how he's going to get through the other five matches. Physically, he is completely shot. And I know this sounds like a broken record, but it was worse than ever. Okay? And you have Kiyomiya working his ass off oh, trying to was... make something. Yes. Can I give a little credit because we're gonna we're gonna get you know very granular about this. Kiyomiya was fantastic in this match. This was this was broomstick, you know, carry job, an all time I all to me an all time carry job by Kiyomiya because he worked his ass off to make this match everything it could possibly be, and he had to because he was in there with a literal 
broomstick that was not going to sell for anything he did, was not going to run, was not going to jump, was not going to do anything that he could to get this kid over on his own. So it was up to Kiyomiya to do it all on his own, and he worked his ass off in this match. This was an all-time great performance by Kiyomiya. So if you want to give any credit to, to Mudo for, for Kiyomiya, I don't know if he lit a fire under this kid's ass or something, but like his body looked good. He looked like he was in tremendous shape. And he went into this match saying, fuck it. I'm going to prove that I'm great. I'm going to prove that I belong, that I, I should be the top. This is the best I've ever seen Kiyomiya. To me, the best single you know performance what, no. of his entire career. Maybe, but I'm tired of this. I, I'm tired of throwing roses towards something where one guy is a complete immobile oh, wreck. Oh, and I'm with you. And now, now let's go to the other part of it because it was also because- an embarrassment. It was also a complete embarrassment. Yeah, so I'm not going to sit here and praise the match because one guy has to try a thousand times harder than the other because the other guy can't perform. Right, that's not fair. I'm that, tired that's, of that's this. Not, that's not good wrestling either. That's not the way it should it's be. It's a bad match. It was hard to watch. It's impossible to suspend disbelief for this shit, okay, unless you're some big Mudo mark, which I'm not. I'm indifferent on Mudo. I've liked parts of his career. I've been indifferent on parts of his career, and I've hated some parts of his career. I, I'm indifferent on him. So I'm not some Mudo mark. So none of this did anything for me, watching him limp around the ring and look ridiculous in the process. So Kamiya can work as hard as he wants. To me, that makes the match look like more of a farce because you've got this guy who's one of the best wrestlers in the world in the prime of his career. He's doing all the work, and he's still struggling to beat a cripple? This guy's crippled. What are we doing? This match is absurd. It's not helping him get over. It's, it, it makes him look weak. Okay, he puts Muto in the in the figure four, and Muto just doesn't bother selling <laughs> he it. it. If you haven't seen the visual of this match, if you if you went to click, you go you go to Wrestle Universe and you click, you know, Noah Destination twenty twenty two, and you scroll to a random point at the in this finish, and you don't have the audio on, you haven't watched any of the other match, you would, I think ninety nine percent of the time, if you were just a random person watching, you would think that Muto has the figure four in on Kaito, and, and, and Kiyomiya is the one struggling to not tap out. Because Kiyomiya is flat on his back, slapping the mat, screaming, pounding the mat, and and <laughs> Keiji Muto is like sitting up and just looking out into the distance, sitting up and looking out in the different in distance, just sitting there and sitting there. And Kiyomiya is going ah ah ah, ah trying to get this guy to tap out. And then finally, the way that he taps out is Muto. The referee comes over and he goes, eh, yeah. Kind of points at him and goes, yeah, I'm good. And the I'm, looking for the, I'm looking for the exact quote from the commentary because they had the cover for Muto because he wasn't selling. Because <laughs> he was just sitting there looking. It, because it's always all about Muto. Yeah, it was. It that's, was why, that's why I well, can't not even call the worst this. Part. Not even the, the worst part is to come, I think. That's why I can't even call this a great carry job or anything because I, I thought the match sucked. This match was a farce. I can't call it a great all-time carry job because – you can't have a carry job in a match that isn't good. And I think people yeah, are an all-time so great, used yeah, to... Maybe an all-time great performance, but not an all-time great carry job. I think is, is you know, Kiyomiya putting I, I, in an all-time great performance, but a carry job needs then to make the other guy look good because the other guy carried him to a great match. And he didn't make Muto look good. Right. Muto looked horrendous. So what did he carry? He carried himself. He didn't carry Muto. Muto looked awful in the match to the point that he that we all know watching this this man doesn't belong in a wrestling ring and i cannot suspend my disbelief for this i cannot buy into the idea that a guy who can barely walk can fight this man who's 25 years old at the peak of his athletic prowess it's ridiculous then he doesn't sell the finish 
He refuses to tap, and he just tells the referee to ring the bell. And then as soon as Kiyomiya relinquishes the hold, he just casually rolls out of the ring. This part, I think, is the most important and the most egregious to me ever. He casually rolls out of the ring like Hideki Suzuki did when he lost the Wrestle One title a couple years ago against uh, 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 Jumping Jack's guy. Can't remember his name. Uh, doesn't matter. And and, and Kai, completely Kai. no Kai when he yes he lost it yes exactly rolls out of the ring doesn't sell the move at all does nothing does nothing to endorse or put over the guy that finally beat him. Right. The, 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 by he's, the way, he's halfway into the crowd before he's leaving. Before Kiyomi even realizes, he's, oh, fuck, where is he? He's in the crowd so leaving. Then, yeah. So then Kiyomiya realizes the moment is being lost. Right. He's bowing he to the crowd. Because Kiyomiya's in the ring. He's celebrating his win, bowing to the crowd, you know, getting to the top rope, going, yeah, I did it, I did it, I did it. Then he looks and turns around and goes, oh, fuck, <laughs> Muto's already into the crowd. So then he he's he's trying to save this. Right, you couldn't so land the mat. The, you couldn't land the mat for four, three minutes. Mudo, no, but the could. key is to get the he. You got to get the endorsement from the guy you beat. Well, that's what I mean. That's like he's whole... got to let sit in the ring for a little bit, let Kiyomiya celebrate, and then when you meet in the middle of the ring, handshake, bow, you know, tap on the shoulder, lift his hand up. This is the new guy. Like, yeah, we couldn't. No, he was out of the ring in in twenty five seconds. He was already in the crowd. Because he had no interest in putting the kid <laughs> right, over. He's a prick, yes. Yeah, so. And I and all these people are like, oh, well, I can't. He put him over. This was so, this was awful. Passing the torch. Passing this the was torch. one of the this is one of the worst examples of passing the torch ever done in pro wrestling. He had to chase the guy down in the aisle. <laughs> it's so screamed. funny because they're like, oh, Kiyomiya, what's Kiyomiya doing? It's like trying to get the fucking heat on this segment. Trying to make sure that his moment get, of get a get yeah. a handshake from Mudo isn't lost. Like, because Mudo is... Trying to make sure this the last two years meant something. <laughs> right. he's, he's screaming his name. Muto's no-selling him. Finally, he hops down and Muto turns around, gives him a little pat on the shoulder and walks away. Yeah. You're Are you d- you're, you're done good, kid. You're done good, kid. <laughs> you know why? Because Muto doesn't have any interest no, in putting anyone yeah, over. Yeah, Muto, Muto's entire goal in this feud, in this match, was to look like the badass. And he looked like the badass again. He looked like the guy who wasn't feeling any pain from the figure four. He didn't even tap. He gave a verbal submission. And then he got the fuck out of Dodge and left the kid hanging. The kid who worked his ass off, who's been bumping all over the place for this jerk for a half a dozen matches. Okay? Here's what you do. This is how you put someone over in a feud like this. Never mind the first three matches. Let's assume that he, you know, the other three matches went exactly the same, which was a mistake. But fine. He, he, he beats the guy twice and has the draw. We get to this last match. Here's how you put him over. Number one. It's not the first retirement match. It's the last retirement match. It's the one that everybody's going to remember. You put this kid over in your final match, not your first match of the six. That's number one. And it's very telling that he did the Kiyomiya match first because he thinks, Muto, that the other matches are bigger. Right, and he right. doesn't give a shit. Right. Whether the other ones are going to be a lot of older guys, a lot of guys that he came up with, the guys that he respects. And that, that will be how he ends his career. This, this was the last of the, I'd assume the last of the, all right, yeah, let me pass the torch, next generation, yada, yada, whatever. Now let me go wrestle all my friends in, in front of the most fans I could possibly have. Yeah. And everyone's going to remember those matches, not this one. No, Number right. two, when the kid puts you in the figure four, you sell it like you're dying. 
You sell that figure four like your legs are going to snap right. off this your guy, body. This guy learned my move, mastered my move, and now he's killing me with my own move. I mean, you turned him into a simp. You turned him into your cuck and made him copy you. The least you could do is sell when he puts you in the move. And you sell it like death. If your intent is to put the guy over, you sell it like you're dying. You slap that mat like you never slapped it before. You got tears coming out of your eyes. You can't take the pain. And he wrenches it in. That's how. Number three, after the bell rings, you lay on that mat if you're Muto and you refuse to get up. You struggle. You can't get up. You can't move because this kid put you down for good. You don't get up until he helps you up. Right, right. You make him help you up. You make Kiyomiya get you to your feet. And then you raise his hand. You point. You turn to all four sides. You bow to him. Kiyomiya bow to Muto outside the I ring. Know. I know. What are we doing? You bow to him. That's how you endorse. You get helped out of the ring. You don't walk out of that ring. You can't even stand unless Kiyomiya lets you stand. That's how you put someone over. And then you endorse them. And you let it soak in. And you let the moment sink in. He did none of that. Anyone who thinks that this was a good story or a good moment or a good passing of the torch is lost. You don't know what you're talking about. And you shouldn't analyze wrestling. This was awful. It couldn't have been worse. I couldn't have drawn this up worse. The only thing that could have made it worse is if Mudo won. I was going to say if Mudo, if Mudo won. And yeah. <laughs> and he may as well have won. Right. What's the difference? I was going to say, I don't think it would have mattered if Kiyomiya tapped in the figure four or not because the same thing would have happened. Mudo would have rolled out of the ring. Kiyomiya would have said, hey, can I please get a handshake? And he'd say, yeah, sure, kid. All right, here you go. Bye. Like pretty much exactly the same thing. So, yeah. It- they did everything wrong. Everything. <laughs> Every- and you know why? Because Muto didn't want to endorse him or put no, him over. Of course not. Yeah, it, this was the this was everything you shouldn't have done. And poor Kiyomiya understood what was happening when Muto was hightailing it out of there, which is why he chased him down. Yeah, he looked and saw him out of the ring and went, no, 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 screamed his name and then ran out of the ring and said, no, 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 and cut him off. Said, you're not walking anywhere else until you give me a handshake. We need the picture. We need the, the visual of you giving me a handshake, which is just it, absurd. This guy was out of the ring in 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 10, 15 seconds. Absolutely absurd. Ah, this, this is a disgrace. This yeah. whole this was a debacle and a disgrace. Just from start to finish. Going back two years. And this match was like the icing on the cake. This was so bad. I watched this twice because I gave this the benefit of the doubt. Twice I watched this. Okay? And it was worse the second time. I picked up on all the little things I missed the first time that Muto did to screw this guy. And again, I don't know if it's going to hurt Kiyomiya. Maybe it won't. But here's what I do know. None of this helped him. None of this helped Kiyomiya. And I think it's a mistake that he's going to do cosplay Muto from here on out. He's bowing to him. He's he's taking his moves. He, I mean, you know, Muto's not selling for him. He did everything short of blow him in the ring. Embarrassing! I'm embarrassed for Kiyomiya. He shouldn't have worked this hard for this guy. You know the kid's too naive. I mean, fuck, man! I mean, he got taken advantage of for two years and got nothing out of it. Nothing. It's a joke. I don't know why people aren't up. Noah fans, for some reason, enjoyed it. They should be irate. Noah fans should be irate at this match. 
I'm irate. I don't give a fuck about Noah anymore because the Noah I loved has been gone for years. I don't understand why they're not irate. This is awful. Stop trying to fool yourself that this did any good. Two years of this kid's career wasted. Yeah. Because Muto, Muto, Muto's Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. And for what? Uh, you can't get rid of this guy fast enough. I'm booking this company. He comes in the back. He never works for me again. Take your lousy attendance and this bomb of a show and hit the bricks. Go have your five matches somewhere else because this is a disgrace. You bury our kid like this. We need this kid. Yeah, because in, in, in a few months, you're gone and never coming back, and now we're stuck. You're, with... off rip- you're ripping off the next money, Mark. I need this kid. <laughs> right. Well, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, and I thought it was kind of telling where you said, you know, he's want- he's going to want to do that final retirement match in New Japan because Noah doesn't have stars of, of, of you know, of that level. He doesn't, they, Noah yeah. doesn't have stars. Well, they've had guys that are purportedly, you know, pro-wrestling legends there for a couple years. You'd think maybe, you know, make a star at some point? No. I, I, I don't know. No, Nakajima, I, where's yeah. Nakajima? Where he? Look at where he was three years ago, and look at where he is now. Look at where Kiyomiya yeah. was three years ago, and look at where he's at now. You know, Nakajima's a little shit, but you know what? He doesn't take this crap. At least he opens his mouth. Yeah. I mean, Kiyomiya. I don't. I don't know, man. I. Yeah, too nice, probably. Just yeah. Too nice. I. You know. You know. At the end of the day. Muto worked the fuck out of this kid because at, 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 at the post match was this kid putting Muto over, bowing to him. Right. Thank you for teaching me your moves so I could finally beat you. He goes, ah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I could finally beat you and you cannot sell it. And <laughs> even though the whole story here was that Muto has no knees, I can finally beat you with a figure four and then you can no sell the figure four. He's walking out of the ring. Out of the ring no problem. <laughs> this motherfucker. This motherfucker, if they told this story properly, should have been carried out by 16 guys and shouldn't have been able to put an ounce of weight on those legs. But he doesn't care. He does not care. I feel like I'm the only sane person in the world when it comes to this match. I think there's a lot of people that maybe are, 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 I don't know if they're new to wrestling at all or they're not, but like this is playbook stuff. Like people that have been around for a while and watched this dumb shit for a while know what this is and know what this type of stuff does and know oh, a mile away. and know that it never helps anybody. This is Hulk Hogan putting over Billy Kidman, quote unquote. This is Kevin Nash putting over Rey Mysterio, quote unquote. This is Hulk Hogan passing the torch to Ultimate Warrior, quote unquote. Like we've seen this a bunch of times in America, in Japan, elsewhere. It's not for good. It never results. Rey Mysterio never became a star in WCW after Kevin Nash, quote-unquote, put him over. Billy Kidman was right back to doing Billy Kidman shit a month after the Hulk Hogan, quote-unquote, put him over. Ultimate Warrior was, was a bomb in, uh, in, 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 you know, in attendance-wise, and he was done uh, at being a superstar for WWF a year later. There's multiple other examples. Noah, again, if you watch Noah for 20 years, you know that you know this type of stuff of just, you know, Always go back to the old. Let the and, and but to be fair, those guys were never as egregious as this was. This this was like like you said, Hulk Hogan playbook shit. No, yeah, no, no. See those guys. Those guys, they just were always put in that position, but they were never this. The the the, the original you know, Noah in that era, they just gave up on the young guys too quickly. They right. panicked when they didn't draw right away. When those guys didn't, when when Kenta and Marafuji. You want to throw Shiozaki in there. When they didn't draw right away, Noah panicked and went back to Masawa and went back to the older guys. Those guys didn't eat the younger guys up and, and, and sabotage them. 
they didn't sabotage him the way Muto sabotaged this kid because you know they were had a vested interest in the company succeeding. They just panicked when it didn't work right away. Their problem is they weren't patient enough. So they said, oh, well, we can just go back to the older dudes and, and go back to – but then that, that, that put them in the position they're in now where they're running through different owners and they've never fully recovered from their glory days because they didn't ever build the next guys. And I don't know if Kenta, Marafuji, and Shiozaki would have worked. None of us will ever know. What we do know is they weren't patient and didn't give them a proper chance. That we can say for sure. And they panicked too quickly and gave up on them. Particularly Kenta and Marafuji, more so than Shiozaki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shiozaki and Morishima never really by then it was too late in a lot of ways, especially Morishima. But you know, it was Kenta and Marafuji that they just weren't patient enough with. There was no sabotage there. Masawa didn't sabotage those guys. They were just businessmen who were shitting their pants because it didn't work right away. Ironically enough, drawing numbers that these companies now would salivate over. But that's neither here nor there. But this is just Muto not giving a fuck about this guy. He's not caring at all. Right. It's it's the Hogan playbook. It's the Kevin Nash playbook. It's that that bullshit stuff from past eras that, that you would hope promoters would be able to sniff out a little bit easier these days and not know that it's happening and, 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 and not allow it to happen. But you know, here we are. Did, so. did I think Muto was going to put this guy over the way that I said that he should have a few moments ago? No, I never thought Muto would do that. I mean, give me a break. It's Muto's Muto. We know the Muto playbook. Right. It's just, it hasn't okay. changed in a lot of years. Okay. So. I didn't think he would do that, but I did think he'd sell. I did think he'd make a token effort to endorse Kiyomiya, and he didn't even – he didn't do the bare minimum. I mean, what kind of ego must you have (laughs) to not lose to the guy until he copies you and then not sell for him and then not put him over and endorse him? Yeah, the the end – I mean, the end was to me the most egregious stuff. Like even the figure four was awful, and I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? Sell this figure four. Even then, I was like, "All right, whatever." Kiyomiya got the got the quote unquote tap out or whatever, but the rolling out—I mean, I was—that's when I was like mad. You know, at first I was kind of laughing. I'm like, "Oh my god, Mudo, Mudo!" When he was out of the ring in ten seconds and into the crowd in fifteen, I was stunned. It's, I was like, "You yeah, got to be it, fucking it, kidding me!" It, like it you said, if he walks to the back, you say, "Here's your checks. Get the fuck out of here. We're good. We don't need you anymore." Yeah. I, this was one of the most egregious examples of 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 shitting on a guy when you're supposed to be putting him over. Yeah. This was awful. Wow. Wow. This was this was truly awful. And it's uh and, and and the story itself was just so fucked up and bad from the jump. And and just you know taking four tries to beat this guy and then not being able to do it unless you become him. No, 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 no. The prime twenty five year old future ace stud should be beating the old guy on the way out who's who can barely walk around as himself. He shouldn't have to become that guy to beat. It's just all a massive ego stroke. He did everything but give him a hand job in the ring. This is I was embarrassed for the kid. Just terrible. Uh, let's I'm go sorry the for screaming over you over and over. No, 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 no. You're right. No, up. no, no. And you should be. That's yeah. that's hey, that's what it is. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. That's what that's that's what it is. No. Um 
the Cano thing, I want to talk about that because that, to me that was a, a polar opposite. And, and to me, a, a much better example of well, what, one guy's a pro and the other guy yeah, exactly. is a pro. Exactly. I was going to say, if you need the juxtaposition of it, yeah. if you think that ah, the flagship, they just hate old guys, they don't like old guys, Soshi Kojima's old as fuck. And that guy can never work his ass off. We never give a shit about the age. We care about the effort. We care about what it's you never do. about the age. It's, yeah. It's the credibility. It's the credibility, professionalism, the work, all that sort of stuff. You know, I've, 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 we've never said Minoru Suzuki shouldn't have won that match because he's old. No. We've never said Satoshi Kojima shouldn't have won this match because he's old. It's the credibility, and Muto has none at this state of his, phys- of his physical condition. That's the point here. Okay? It's, it's, it's never about the age. It's about, are, are you credible? Can I mm-hmm. suspend my disbelief for you? Right. Can I believe that you are able to hang with this guy and i there was yeah. matches with kano and we talked about it before last year with kano and fujita and kano and and and, and mudo and it's like i can't believe that this guy kano who 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 can do so many things and, and strike so hard and all this sort of stuff i can't believe that he's having trouble with these old dudes who can barely move or whatever fucking soshi kojima's chopping the shit out of this guy and i'm like yeah, i could i could buy that he's chopping the fucking shit out of this dude like it's kojima yeah he's moving around perfectly he's yeah, well, Satoshi kojima the way that he still wrestles, you can buy that he can beat up anybody. Yeah, because he wrestles a physical style. He's 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 not what he was ten or fifteen years ago, but he's not far off either. Like he's still physically ca- like you. I I have not reached the point with Satoshi Kojima where I'm watching him wrestle and I'm thinking, oh, this guy's close to the end. I mean, no, no, we had that with Tenzan. Like if you remember, even with the tag team, we were like, dude, yes. we got to figure out a way to get these guys broken up because Kojima's too good to be you know, weighed down by Tenzon at this point. And this was four yeah. years ago, I think, that we said that. New Japan did that. They eventually realized, okay, we got to cycle Tenzon out of this thing and, and, and get Kojima to kind of do some of his own stuff. So Perfect example to the point you just made, where these two guys were the same age. One, we were like, get him off my screen. The other, we're like, oh, they maybe should even keep pushing this guy. Same age, same tag team. Right. Well, it's never about the age. It's about the credibility. <laughs> I, I see people say that sometimes, and I'm like, we... Have you ever heard us talk about Mochizuki or Kojima? Yeah, exactly. Like, all we say is, I can't believe they are X years old. These guys are incredible. They're so good at, at their age. It's like, get out of here. It's just, you know, absurd. But, but this match rocked. I like this match a lot. It was a good match. I mean, it was it was probably the best match on the show. I didn't think any of the matches on this show were great, but I thought a lot of the, a few of the matches on this show were pretty good, and this was one of them. Um, you know, flirted with the notebook for me. I, I could buy it if you went four or something on this. Um, it was in that range. Uh, Kojima always works hard. I, I you know, I, I like that it was a pleasant surprise, honestly, that Kano won the title. Um, if this all leads to Kiyomiya versus Kano on the next big show for the title, you know, the, the, the on-again, off-again rivals and all of that, I'd be all for that. And I would pray that it draws, <laughs> pray that it fucking draws mm-hmm. so that we can get away from all of this fucking nostalgia shit. Um, but I would be concerned that it wouldn't because of all of the things I just screamed about <laughs> for the last 20 minutes is why I would be concerned that, that, it, that it may not draw. Um, you know, because, again, I don't think this feud did anything for Kiyomiya. Um, I think he's probably exactly where he was before and. Maybe a little worse off if he's just going to be a copycat of 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 you know of his daddy, um, but yeah, no, good match. I'm glad Kano won. Um, we'll have to endure a Ko- we'll have to endure Kojima working down to Muto at some point. Um, 
and that's the issue. When you have to work down to a guy, I don't right, want that right, to right. see that guy anymore. That's the thing. When it's obvious that wrestlers are working down to someone's level, that's when those people need to be put out the pasture. And whether that means putting them early in the card, you want to put them early in the card like all Japan used to do in the Baba era. You know, Baba knew when to put guys in the opening comedy six-man match, including himself. I was going to say, including most notably himself. Okay. You know, could you have, could you imagine Giant Baba when he was shot treating a young star this way, the way that Muto treated Kiyomiya? I mean, you can't even fathom it. No, no. It, 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 yeah, I'm just it's, trying to. Th- I'm trying to think of like the perfect comp, and it's just like it's un- like, it's so unfathomable that like Giant Baba would be you know get out there with with, with Tenru and say, "Knock nah, kid. I'll give you one. <laughs> like, no, you I'll know. give you one. 1992 Giant Baba beating Junakiyama like a drum <laughs> right. uh, three matches in a row right. until listen until Junakiyama learns to do Baba's chops and uh, head chops and uh, you know and and learns all of Baba's moves and then then Akiyama uh, beats the washed up giant Baba and uh, and then and then Baba blows him off and just heads up the aisle <laughs> That's what you witnessed I know. with it's Muto and Kiyomiya. It's absurd. People would and there laugh are people at it. Trying to, and right. there are people trying to say that this was good. Okay? You know, it, it's absurd. It'd be like Okada coming back from excursion and being on the losing end of a feud with Manabu Nakanishi. <laughs> right, Fujinami comes out there. Until he learned how to do torture racks and, uh, you know... And and then after going o two and one against Manabu Nakanishi, you know, finally beats him by wearing Man- Nakanishi's gear and doing torture racks. And you know th- that it's as absurd as these Baba and Okada analogies sound. That's exactly that's what, what you, you just got. Yeah, <laughs> that you say is yeah. good. Yeah, that you say is good. Okay, so you know, uh, but anyway. Um, yeah, the main event was pretty good, and I'm glad Kano won. And here's hoping that when they put these younger guys back on top, that they could at least draw at the same level. And um, and we put all these dudes out the pasture, all of them. Fujita, Muto. When Muto goes, they can all go. Just take them all with you. Go away. Yeah, th- this was the night where I was really just like, all right, I, I think I'm ready for all these dudes to so just go away there was because there was a lot of good stuff i thought like, there was decent fun talent up and down the card there was like you know you did see like you said go shiozaki is back and he, he's doing his thing sagira was, was doing Nak- nakajima looked solid enough in here kumiya got his win so okay we'll move on like even the tag match like i had you know we'll, we'll talk about it here a little bit but it was like all right there was enough stuff the junior match i thought was pretty good there was enough stuff that 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 really stood out and it's like we don't need these guys anymore these guys are here but why what are we doing anymore with these guys like send them all pack and we're done like let's move on there there's the pandemic's over you, you did this for two years like let's move on let's get the whatever level of business you think they were popping it's done right that's you know what i mean like it felt for it's me done. the first time ever like and not just like a, ah these, these guys gotta go away because i don't like them or whatever like more of like a, all right what are these guys really providing to you like what is fujita doing for you anymore what what are you gaining from having fujita in your on your roster, I mean, you know, I, I, getting the W. By the way, <laughs> so. at least Muto really did draw at points in his career and is a legitimate all-time right. superstar. Twenty-five years ago, but <clears throat> you know, so yeah. But um, look, but here's the thing: like overall, I had fun watching this show. 
I, I, oh yeah, production, I, the production of Noah is great at this point. It, like, especially yeah. the English language. If you're listening on English language, it's it, it's really good. The production is great. The video looks good. Uh, a lot of the undercard was quick. Like a lot of the matches got in and got out very very quickly. And and really even the main stuff, uh, Kiyomi and Mudo. I think that was the second longest match, and and, and Kano and Kojima. But you know that was twenty eight minutes or whatever. So that you know not too bad. Uh, there and then the tag match and the, and the, and the junior match were all twenty minutes apart a piece as well. So yeah, it was a really it was an easy watch for the most part. I, I didn't feel like I wasted any time watching it. Just you know, <laughs> not everything went the way I wanted it to go. But you know, hey, it was a uh, the undercard was was a fun easy watch, and then you know business picked up with the Kiyomiya Muto match and everything kind of got serious from there. Um. As expected, Hideki Suzuki and Tim Thatcher won the tag tag titles. I have hiccups. They won the tag titles. Uh, they, I think they would have won them whether Elgin was there or not. But this was a decision match with uh, Masa Kitamiya and Yoshiki Inamura. And uh, look, I think Timothy Thatcher is a good fit for Noah. Um, I think so. He looks great. He, he looks great there. He's kind of all, you know, he's got his long hair again. He looks kind of, yeah, like, and his in-ring style, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a good fit. I was, I was, ha- I really, really liked how he wrestled in this match. So I, I'm in. Yeah. The junior title match, Hayata and uh, Yoshioka, it was fine. I mean, I just, you know, Hayata, I don't have, I don't know. So tired of that guy, honestly. But um, the match was fine, though. It, you know, it wasn't. I thought I thought Yoshioka was pretty good in this, and I thought there were parts of this match where I liked Hayata, and I don't usually like Hayata. There's a lot of times where Hayata just does nothing for me whatsoever. Um, he was okay in this, but I thought I, I thought Yoshioka was pretty damn good. So to me, he helped this match be solid enough. I, when I say good or really good or no no no, but I would definitely say solid. Um, but yeah, Hayata just yeah he doesn't really light my world on fire. And then uh, Suji Kondo came out to challenge him, so I was like, oh all right. <laughs> That's- I hope he lariats his head off. I mean, <laughs> like he did it. Yeah, he, he did it at the beginning of King Gate, or he won in ten seconds or whatever. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down for that. Yeah. Um, so on the undercard, Ninja Mac and Dante Leon. I, this was interesting because I thought they had a slowed down, better paced version of what they do in Game Changer. That that's how this came across to me. And both of those guys can be very very sloppy. I thought they both had good nights for the most part, by their standards. And they did a more deliberately paced version of what we usually see them do on the American Indies where, you know, the standards are very low and you could just go out there and fuck off and do crazy shit. It doesn't matter if it lands. Everybody's drunk in the crowd anyway. But I thought they had a professional version of their usual match. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I would say they probably should ramp it up a little bit more in, in the future because I think... They didn't exactly to me show just how dynamic they could be. Like they were a little slow at certain points and a little disjointed at certain points. But I'm with you. It did feel like they were like, hey, let's do all these spots. But like instead of doing all these spots, let's cut like half of these spots and just do the ones that really matter to us and really mean the most. And and that's probably a smart idea. But I, I would say uh, in particular, I think it'd be nice for Ninja Mac to kind of ramp it up a little bit more because he's being brought here because he's spectacular at times. So uh, try to be a little bit more spectacular you know, throughout the match, I, I think wouldn't be the worst idea. I feel like he's getting over, though. I mean, the he crowd... Is. No, he definitely is. is. He is. At his shit, so... Um, and he's improving, and, and he's getting better. I, obviously, you know, working better wrestlers, working in front of a better environment is going to help you get better, but uh, yeah, you, you could see it already in a couple of months. He, he's, he, he's, he's, he's solid. 
Well, I mean, he's working here. He's working RevPro. He worked the Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor show. He, you know, he he gets booked and he gets around and he's working different kinds of shows in front of different kinds of crowds. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's gonna improve. I mean, you keep working Game Changer scrambles, you're not gonna get any better. But this guy's, you know, working all over the world, and you know, eventually it'll, it'll pay off. He did a little commentary at the English table too. They brought him into the commentary table. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Uh, not so Mastaf- what I expected his voice to sound like at all, but uh, it was, yeah. Oh, what'd you expect? What, what'd you think he was going to sound like uh, Stan Hansen? What'd I don't you know think what he- I thought Ninja Mac was going to sound like, but it's like soft-spoken, like Texan is not yeah. what I had in my uh, on my cards. So, yeah, uh, northeastern uh, t- in Texas via the northeast, maybe even New Jersey. Yeah, I'm he's got a very like, interesting. Yeah, he's got an interesting. Following my path, dialect. Yeah, oh yeah, I was going to say, are you Ninja Mac? I've never seen you two in the same place, to be honest. I- I'm not, you know, I won't confirm. Or you deny. see, they have these Noah scoops all. Yeah, you know what? Hold on a minute. Listen, stop connecting dots. Hold on a minute. Stop connecting dots. Don't go down this road. He was soft spoken though, and that yeah, it's yeah, not. No one has ever called What's... you soft spoken. I don't think so. Not after the last half hour. <laughs> um, my voice is dead now too. I got to do TV reviews tomorrow. Um, Masato Tanaka and Rob Van Dam over Nosawa and Super Crazy. Rob Van Dam is a perfectly acceptable. What is he, 50? I don't even know how old Let he is. Let me see how uh, old RVD is these days. 51 years old. He's a damn good looking 51 year old. So I know they don't have rights to that theme music. <laughs> I know. I thought the same thing. <laughs> he wins the match. It's, what are the cards? And I'm like, you do not have the rights to that WWE original theme song. I am positive you don't. Like, I don't know. That's, that's, <laughs> I laughed my ass off when I heard. I thought well, the exact about- same thing. I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I was going to say they played Final Countdown earlier. I'm sure Europe didn't get a taste of that. Well, yeah, especially now that we know it's, you know, Brian Danielson just said is $200,000 and you play it like you can only play it 20 times a year or something like this, something absurd. And Noah didn't pay Europe for that song. <laughs> and I, it, it's like, I don't think they paid $200,000 to play it the six times for, you know, Muto's final six matches. I mean, are they doing the old, are they doing the Paul Heyman thing where they just like daring them? Yeah. Fuck it. Until they find out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll deal with it when they find out, but until then who cares? Or are they doing the UFC thing where if you do it as just background arena music, it doesn't count. It only counts if you're specifically. So what UFC does is they, is they claim it's just arena music and it's like, it doesn't, you don't need to pay for rights in that case. It's right, like some, right, right subtle difference in the copyright law or something. I don't know what they're doing. I, I would say playing RVD's WWE theme yeah. uh, is under no none of those whatsoever. So. And I know they didn't pay Europe either. I, I They did not pay Europe. Um, everything else was just tags. I mean, you had Shiozaki, Fujita, and Takashi Sagara uh, over Nakajima, Manabusoya, and Masakatsu Funaki in the six-man match of people we usually push who we had nothing for on this show about is what that was i did enjoy nakajima Um, and shiozaki went in there and just beat the shit of each other for like eight minutes that was pretty cool but then yeah yeah why not i was surprised nakajima didn't take the fall maybe he's listen in this backwards company maybe he's not in the doghouse for knocking that kid out maybe he's like gonna get a push for knocking the kid out like you know who knows with with noah but um because soya took the fall here didn't he yes yeah it was uh fuji to beat soya yeah yeah um, Eita and Katero Suzuki 
I mean, they kind of squashed Ogawa and, and Yuya Susuma here. They did. Yeah, they really and did. And then they, then they fucking stood on their chests after the match <laughs> and everything. So uh, so that was uh, kind of fun. And then we had the, uh, was it a 10 or 12-man tag with all the leftovers? All the yeah, just all the, yeah, Stallion Rogers and Anthony Green and Rene Dupree and a bunch of Simon other Gotch. dudes. Yeah, just dudes. Just a lot of dudes. So He um, Odell Wagner. I think it was 10-man tag. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, 10-man. You know, I could pull up the run sheet and just read it. Um, yeah, 10-man tag. Daiki Anaba, Sakuraba, Kenya Okada, Masaki Mochizuki, and uh, Tanaguchi. Anthony Green scored the fall, correct? <laughs> I think, yes, he pinned Okada, which is... If my memory is correct. Not, if so... you would give me all these names, I don't think I would have ended up with... You know who's going to get the pin, fall, win? Anthony Green. Well, look at the rest of the team. Why not? I mean, I agree, but it's like I'm kind of surprised that we give it to Anthony Green, but okay. You know, maybe they're going to push these. Uh, well, he's in the N1, right? Yeah, so, yeah. They like it. They put him on commentary. They clearly see something in him. So good. That's fine with me. I, I don't mind uh, yeah, push someone new. I'm, Gosh, I don't have a problem no with it. No argument here, yeah. Fuck it. You know, push all five of those guys. I don't give it. Well, they already pushed Wagner and Dupree. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know that I need a, a Rene Dupree push in 2022. They've been but. tag champs already, though. So they're, they're kind of already pushed. You can push Simon Gotch and his droopy nipples. I don't have a problem with that. But, I mean, I think he fits the tone of the promotion, too. I mean, you know, um, Stallion Rogers, nice little worker. I don't know. Um, then the opener, Hajime O'Hara, high 69 is back, Rich. Remember, he lost the match and lost his uh, his name. And uh, Suji Kondo, who we'd see later on, Tarasuke, and they defeat Atsushi Katoge, Daisuke Harada, Extreme Tiger, and Yohei. In the junior version of the Shiozaki match of guys we don't have anything for on this show who sometimes we normally push. Right. So, um, and it was a perfectly fine 10 minute opener with all those junior dudes. And that was the show. And I, you know, over as an overall package, I mean, for a four hour show, I mean, I, I enjoyed just about all of it for what it was. Um, you know, a couple of the matches were pretty good. And, you know, I have, you know, I didn't like the Muto match at all. I mean, I, I would generously call that a two-star match. I thought Muto was so bad that it, you, you can't go any higher than that. But seems as though I'm an outlier. Cage match loves that fucking match. Um, grapple's not quite as high on it. They went, I think the grapple average right now is 3.7. But cage matches, uh, you know, um, brushing up against a nine, which is like a four-and-a-half-star match, which I – you know, whatever. If you're a Muto Mark, maybe that's fine. Um, but outside of that debacle, I thought the rest of the show was uh, pretty decent and a pretty light watch, considering it was a four-hour show. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I like. I, I didn't feel like I wasted any time, and no production is so good uh, at this point. Wrestle Universe is, is so smooth to watch and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, I worked for me. Fun show, but yeah, there was some stuff obviously that I had some. Uh, Awesome beef with here and there, but uh, for the most part, this was a, a, a enjoyable show. And we'll, Noah's nothing if not newsworthy now, so we'll 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 stick with Noah for now. But uh, let's get. I to... mean, our 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 review gave it four stars. Yeah. Just to show that it's like, you know, this other idea too. It's like people sending us tweets and stuff. Ah, what's Voices of Wrestling going to say? Well, there's like a bunch of people here, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not just us. You know, it's it's not like, just... We, we don't get together collectively yeah, and all decide. Right, so let's, okay, Gerard, you hate this match, okay? We're going to talk about how much we hated it. And yeah, it, no, it doesn't go like that. We 
as Griffin chimed in. No, we don't. You know, it's just everyone just gives a fucking opinion. I mean, I don't. You know, <laughs> whatever. I fucking hated it, and you know, I, didn't hate I, I went it. three and three quarters with it, so I didn't hate, hate it as much as you did. Well, then, so see, there you go. Like, you know, got together and decided. Yeah, that's, I love that. Ah, voices wrestling up to their old tricks again. <laughs> Get out of here dorks anyway ring of honor death before dishonor is this weekend joe uh july 23rd from lowell mass uh the first real tony con booked and led ring of honor show you were going to do an instant reaction not live uh this weekend i'm going to be uh, at a beach I oh will not Rich. be watching the show yes yeah I, I don't mean to cut you off should we do the n1 brackets real quick oh yeah, yeah let's do that let's let's do that all right, yeah. So let's go over you those in front of you. I, for, I I meant to put that in my notes and then I forgot to. So hold on, I'll pull pull them up. Professional operation. <laughs> I had them and then I didn't have them, but I can get them again if you need. If if, if you're not able to find them, so. Well, it's whoever uh, whoever gets there first, I think I'm already there. Google's so. faster. I've got it here. So okay, we've got. Go uh, hold on, I want to make sure I click a link to a site that I don't hate. Um, for the for the hit. I have it. If you're right, I found a site that I don't. Um, hate, so. This is important to me. Uh, okay, the A block. No, actually, I really hate the person who wrote this article. So I already clicked it though, so I guess it doesn't matter. Um, I'll tell you who it was off air. <laughs> I already know. I'm already on, I'm probably on the same site. <laughs> I hate that fucking guy. Um, <laughs> uh, fucking aggregators are so useless um kano kazuyuki fujita goshi ozaki masato tanaka masaki mochizuki who i don't think is ever going back to dragon gate <laughs> yeah what uh, the hell no one's on the dragon gate roster like everyone's elsewhere everyone's other other places i don't know why they're not in dragon gate he's a better fit here honestly uh hideki suzuki el D, dr wagner jr and Anthony Green. That is your A block, and that's a loaded block. That's a hell of a lineup there. Yeah, you're getting Kano versus Shiozaki. You're getting Kano versus Masato Tanaka. Kano versus Mochizuki. Go Shiozaki versus Mochizuki. Um, I think Hideki Suzuki matches up with some of these guys real well. Um, Anthony Green's going to work his ass off. So That's a hell of a spot. Think about Anthony Green, too. You're Anthony Green. You're about to have a tournament where you're going to face Kano for whatever he's worth, Fujita, Goshiozaki, Tanaka, Mochizuki. That's a fucking... Those are some dudes. B-Block, Masakatsu Funaki, Keito Kiyomiya, Nakajima, Takashi Segura, Masakitamiya, uh, Satoshi Kojima, Tim Thatcher, and Jack Morris. Yes, a surprise. <laughs> Minnesota Twins legend Jack Morris here. Yes. Once pitched a 10-inning complete game yes, in the he World did. Series. Yes, he did. Um, I don't know a thing Recently about Hall of Famer, Jack right? Morris. Finally got in the Hall. Finally got in the Hall. Finally got in. Ago, yeah. You know, probably shouldn't have, but probably. Got... <laughs> yeah, winning no, he really pitcher... shouldn't. Have, to be honest, I hate to be that guy, but uh, nah. uh, winning is pitcher of the '80s. If that, yeah, uh, eh, your needle, no, not really. Uh, that just kind of means you pitched the whole decade, right? Yeah, he just pitched a lot and pitched through the whole decade, so it was on good teams. Um, that ten inning World Series game got him in the Hall of Fame. No, for honest. sure, and that's an all time great, like just big yeah, dick performance. performance. <laughs> just nah, nah, nah. I get out of this game. fucking game. <laughs> like, I'm winning this fucking game for us. So. You take this ball, I'll fucking kill you. So, <laughs> right. so I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Now in the postseason, you go four and a third. Yeah. Blake know? Snell <laughs> was fine for two innings, and they told him, "Get out of here. You're about to face somebody for the third time. <laughs> please, can as I?" As soon as the runner reaches second base, <laughs> right. can I please? Can I please, please stay in? No. Uh, All right. 
So I, I can't give you anything on Jack Morris, and I'm not going to pretend to. Um, but that's a look, this is a good tournament because I think that's a good block too. I mean, you know, Kiyomiya, Nakajima, Kojima, Sugera, and Thatcher are going to all have good matches against each other. Mm-hmm. And then Masakitamiya can step up against those guys. I don't know what you're getting out of Masakatsu Funaki in 2022. Um, you know, so we'll leave him out of this. And I don't know a thing about Jack Morris other than uh, he's a good-looking guy. You know, he's got, yeah, he's got a nice, nice, uh, nice chin on the kid. Yeah, he's got a nice physique, you know, from what I can tell. But, you know, uh, we'll find out real fast if he can work. Um, he's going to be in there with some grumpy motherfuckers, you know, Nakajima and Sagara and fucking Tim Thatcher. Uh, they're not going to put up with any bullshit if this guy stinks. I can promise you that. But um, no, the N one looks really good. I mean, this is a tournament I'm I'm definitely going to pay attention to. I mean, uh, there's not a lot of dead weight in this thing. So anyway, that's the anything else. On the no, I, I I think I, my exact thought when it was done was like, wow, pretty much every matchup the entire tournament I'm into uh, for in in some way. Like even Fujita and, and Hideki Suzuki, I'm into just for the perverse of like, what the hell's that going to look like? But otherwise, every other match is like. I, and I think that B block, like you were talking about the A block and how great it is. I think the B block is awesome. Like there, there's yeah. no bullshit. There's no politics in that one. It's just dudes going out and working. Funaki, uh, Kiyomiya, Nakajima, Sagira, Kitamiya, Kojima, Thatcher, Jack Moore. I mean, that's those are just dudes. Those are just dudes that are just going to go out there and wrestle. And I like that. I, I like how that's going to look. So uh, I'm interested to see how the dynamics work. This is a a hell of an N one. Hell of an N one. So I am going to be keeping up with it as 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 much as I possibly can. No muto in there, politic and draws. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Right, um, yeah, no, it, it's it's a really good lineup. Um, so we'll that's see. There's not a bad match in that B block. I mean, I don't know what Jack Morris is going to bring, but excluding him because I don't know, there's not a bad match out there. No, I mean, again, Funaki, you don't know what you're going to get. But, but he's in there. I, every other guy he's going to be in there with, I think, is pretty like the worst possible Funaki match is going to be like I don't know what versus Kitamiya. Yeah, but it, it's it's going to be up to him whether they're going to go or not. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. That that's why I say that. Like it's going to be up to him whether he's going to pick and choose who he really wants to work hard with and who he wants to just you know have a seven minute match. And um, so that's why I kind of just leave him out of it. But um, no, that's yeah, the B block's good. Um, Probably a little bit better than the – yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, because Masato Tanaka is another one. He's going to age eventually. How hard does he want to go each night of this thing, Masato Tanaka? So, you, you know, you don't know what you're going to get night to night out of him in the A block. But, you know, on paper, this looks like a really good tournament, a real interesting tournament. You know, maybe I'm a fool. I'm going to pick Kiyomiya. I'm going to go off the premise that they think that this Muto thing went well and this is now the time to push him again. And with Kano as the champion, you know, I, I think they're going to build to Kiyomiya Kano. I, I might sound like a, I, I might end up sounding <laughs> like a total rube, you know. Um, it might end up, you know, being Kaz Fujita for all I know coming out of this thing because it is Noah and you never know. But, um, and you know, having Hideki Suzuki in any tournament format, I was going to say, always, always throws a wrench in the plans. Like, I don't think he'll win, but he can certainly fuck with your plans. I mean, you know, if he decides, you know, 
that certain things aren't going to work for him, brother. So um, I noticed Hideki is in the opposite block of Nakajima, though, which which is uh, probably for the better. You know, yeah, definitely, definitely for the better. Um, I would have liked to have seen Hideki wrestle Thatcher, though, but they split the team up and put him in opposite blocks. Uh, I also would have been curious if Hideki would have shown some respect to Kojima. That would have been interesting to see, too. But um, I don't know. Good looking tournament starts in August. Yeah. I guess I forgot Kojima was in this. So, yeah, I mean, he's still going to be working full full tour. Yeah, I mean, I was, I'll be honest. I was, you know, watching him come out here to this Noah show and he's in the main event and there's fireworks behind him and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, dude, I don't think I'd go back to New Japan if I were him. You know, do you really want to be working undercards, you know, in, in these random, G- like, I was like, it's a pretty good gig for you to, you know, kind of, you know, end your, 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 your run here. So I don't know. Yeah. So, um, I was told that Elgin was originally in the lineup, but whatever the fuck is happening with him, I'd imagine Anthony and, Green is probably the guy that took his spot, right? I don't know, but I know that he was origi- in the original lineup. Um, so, yeah, maybe they gave it to Green. Good for Green if he got his spot. Um, now, I know you're not allowed to say, but y- you heard a different story than the protein powder. You yes, heard- yes. And, yeah. and, and I think Dave Meltzer also heard a different story. and I don't know if it's the same story that I heard, but he – Definitely said that it wasn't the protein powder. Michael Elgin on various platforms. I forget if it was on Facebook or Twitter or whatever the hell. Elgin himself says it's not the protein powder. It's not the protein powder, yeah. And I heard from people that I trust very, very, very much that it is not protein powder that is the issue. It is something related to a gym, and that's what Dave Meltzer said at the same time as well, that it was in. there was an incident in a gym, and that is all that he knows. So See, see, now I know you can't say because wrestling politics and you're not allowed to say what you were told. I get that. But this is why I believe it's not the protein powder either. I think the protein powder became like a telephone game thing. Yeah. And because it sounded funny and nobody likes Elgin, they ran with it. Um, because even Jeff Cobb was joking about protein powder even before the story broke at the G at the G1 presser. Um, so I think that's where the protein powder story came from. But it's but when Meltzer came out and said that it wasn't protein powder and it was something having to do with a gym. I remembered what you told me right. even before last week's flagship privately that it was something other than protein powder. Here's the bottom line though. He did something really stupid regardless right, of what yeah, it no was. matter what the item yeah. was that he stole, he or, or or whatever the incident was, he did something stupid and he's he's ruined his absolute last chance at uh making it in pro wrestling. So But Meltzer's story matched what you were told eight days ago or whatever, seven days ago, however long ago that was six, seven days ago. So that's why I tend to believe that now, look, this is a small detail because he, he fucked up again and he's a knucklehead and whatever the real story is, he's a fucking dunce. That's the bottom line here. But he says it wasn't protein powder and he's pretty indignant about it. And I understand it's Michael Elgin and you could take his word at, less than fucking a grain of salt but you got a different story than protein powder dave got a different story than protein powder which very closely matched whatever your story was so i tend to think it wasn't like a canister of protein powder <laughs> right, like, right. which all, would also would make no sense whatsoever for it wouldn't make any sense no and 
Not that this thing that I heard made sense either, but it makes more sense than him stealing a, a, a carton of protein powder. Yeah, or 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 if he got into a dispute in a gym or something like I yeah. But the bottom line is those two stories are closer related than the protein powder. I think the protein powder thing. I genuinely think that just became a a a telephone game thing, and it was a fun story to to bury the guy to yeah, like make to, fun to of to dunk on Mike Elgin one more time. So so then it picked up steam, and it became a you know like you know it, it gathered momentum because it's funny that, that the idea of him walking into a Japanese fucking GNC <laughs> and sticking protein powder, you know, down his shirt, like, you know, I, like, why would he need to do that? Like, <laughs> yeah, but, but, um, but anyway, the why point here it, is, but, no matter what the incident is, it was probably, the answer is probably why did he need to do that is probably the answer to any of the issues that came up. Right. Like the, like the versions you heard, they're, they're, they're not also, any why better. did you need to do that? Yes. Yeah. They're not. They don't. They don't reflect any better on on, on Elgin <laughs> than the protein powder. They're just not just as the... funny. They're not as funny as him stealing. You know, a, a thing of of you know, a, a protein powder. I, I could I could totally see this being something where someone was like, "Yeah, you know, I heard he stole mystery item X that you're not allowed to say because wrestling is dumb." Uh, you know, this guy out here stealing fucking protein powder, like as a throw. Yeah. Oh, and what's then next? He's going to steal protein powder? Why, you know, why right. did he steal and the protein that... powder? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then that if he's going to steal story. X, why did he just steal some protein powder while he's at it? Yeah. And then it became. Yeah. And you're dealing with two different languages on top of it. Forget it. But uh, bottom line is he's a dope. He's out of the N1. Um, he's burning lots of bridges very quickly. There's no, uh, what bridges left? Uh, I mean, there's no bridges left anymore. Where can he go? I mean, big Japan, can big they Japan afford Mexico him? is about his, his, well, I, he might not, I don't know if he can go to big Japan. I don't know that his, uh, he's welcomed back in, in Japan moving forward. So, oh, it, right. Like that, we're, yeah, we're working on the print. Well, I mean, it, it's possible. Yeah, he said, get I the mean, fuck out of here and never come back. And he went, okay. And, and it is, it is possible. You're right. And and in his statement, he didn't say, like, I'll be back in Japan. He didn't say anything like that. He didn't say, I'll be back in Noah. He didn't say, I'll be back in Japan. But, yeah, in America, no one's going to touch him. Ian Rotten's out of business. That's the only guy that was still booking him on a semi-notable level. I mean, I know he does tiny indies, the kind that barely make a cage match, and some that don't. But major indies can't touch him. Obviously, the TV promotions aren't going near him. He's suing Impact. Um, Tony Khan controls two of the three biggest promotions in America. Khan's not touching him. WWE's not touching him. New Japan's not touching him. Noah is probably not going to touch him after this. He may not be able to go back into Japan. So, yeah, what is left? Like you said, Mexico. Mexico's it. He's going to – what's left is – What's his face? Travis Banks and Marty. Yeah, he's on the the Travis Banks fucking – junket is what's left um yeah you know random german or puerto rican indies that are booking marty Skrull. like that yeah, that's that's, that's what's that left now. for this mm-hmm. you know even after all of this he had a good thing going with noah and he found a way to fuck it up mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it's it's incredible oh man well Let's move on to Ring of Honor here. We got a couple more minutes left, so we'll do a quick Ring of Honor thing, and then we'll, uh, if we get chance, we'll talk Ric Flair's last match. If not, we can just push that over to next week uh, as well because we have time for that. But Ring of Honor this weekend, uh, Death Before Dishonor, July twenty third, Lowell, Mass. As I said, Joe is going to do an instant reaction 
not live. Uh, I will be at a beach, so I will not be watching Death Before Dishonor, but uh, live. Uh, so we're not going to be able to do interaction live, but you are going to watch the show Saturday night. And then at some point over the next couple days or the next day or so, have an instant reaction up there. So it will not be live, but oh, I'll have, the, I'll have the, uh, the instant reaction will be up in the wee hours that night. Okay, oh, so you're going to do it right after so, the show then? Was it Saturday the show? Uh, yes, Saturday so, night. Yeah, so, and by the way, it is on traditional pay-per-view, which um, the last time we talked about this show, we weren't positive about that because they were pushing Bleacher Report, Bleacher Report. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. now in the latest press release, they've said Bleacher Report, um, traditional pay-per-view, and some other fucking outlet. I don't think Fight, something else. But in the Europe, point here in is, Europe, you can do Fight. You can't do Fight in America. Um and if you're thinking, well, yeah, what about da 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 da? They, I do not think they they're they've smartened up to that, so you're not gonna be able to use a VPN. Oh, a VPN so, and shit. Yeah, yeah you can't. Yeah, it's just it. not working anymore. Yeah, no, they shut. Yeah, for fight has gotten very good with that. Um, I'm looking at Directv channel 123. It is on. Um, you can get HD or for some reason you could pay the same exact price and get <laughs> standard <yeah>. definition. <laughs> you're, <laughs> You're weird and like things to um, suck. Yeah, you can do that. Thirty nine ninety nine, so that's cheaper than the uh, AEW pay per views, which I believe are forty nine ninety nine. Uh, correct. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they're forty nine. Um, I am. I was terrified that this was just going to be on Bleacher Report, and I did not have good experiences with that streaming service. No, at and all. I heard Bleacher Report is better now, but I'm still terrified too, and I never want to have to go through it again like it was it was yeah. not good the first time and, and my biggest phobia is like sitting down and watching a show and then it not working i'm too triggered from like the the days 10 years ago yeah. on, on the if i can buy it on, if i can click two buttons on my cable and it just shows yep. up in the best quality possible on my giant tv i i, I will pay 39 dollars for it it's fine i'm picking cable over streaming a thousand percent of yes, the time every if it, single time they're both an option yep. every time um the, no doubt about that. And people could say that's an old person. Th- I don't agree. I think that's just a logical thing. If you're presented with both options, it's more stable. I just know you the know, cable's it's... always going to work, and I don't always know the yeah. streaming's going to work. So, Correct. So uh, that's good. Now, this live show is on Wednesday, um, head-to-head with Dynamite. And I do not do Dynamite spoilers when we do the show on Wednesday. I don't know if Rich is watching the show in the background. Uh, I did watch it. I did watch it, but I will not spoil you. So all we know as we do this show live is the five matches that have been announced as, as of as this live recording. I could tell, as far as I could tell, watching the show no, from the side, it did not appear that any new matches had been added. So Okay, so FTR and the Briscoes are going 90 minutes, best two out of three uh, fall. Yeah, I think they might. think they might. I don't see any reason. Uh, actually, one sec, one sec, one sec, one sec. Uh, no, they did add two matches. So do you care if I... Um, well, one is a pre-show you're, well, match you're, and one is a tag match. You're looking at them and you were watching Dynamite without the sound. Do you think it's going to spoil anything on Dynamite for me if you uh, tell me the match? No. No, I Then I would like so. to hear then I would like to hear the new match. Okay. So the full card uh for Death Before Dishonor this Saturday is in the main event. Uh, presumably not maybe not the main event but the match that I think everybody is really watching the show for uh, FTR versus the Briscoes two out of three falls ROH tag team titles uh that as you said it's going to be very difficult to meet what they did you know at WrestleMania weekend 
Are they going to be able to do that? I have no idea. This match is probably going to go for a while. Two out of three falls is, is, is by its very nature, going to be a longer match. And I don't know. I'm very excited to see if they can follow up what they did at WrestleMania week. And I feel like that was lightning in a bottle. That was like an all-time great match. But these are two all-time great tag teams. So I don't doubt that they might be able to do it. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, I would bet against them being able to do that just because that match was like tremendously special. But hey, you know, we'll find out. Well, you know, the Briscoes have the gimmick in ROH where they win two consecutive falls. Yeah, they did that a lot over the years. So uh, I don't think that that's going to happen here, but you never know. So I would bet my life they win the first <laughs> fall. They're not doing Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I would bet my life they win the first fall. To set that up for them to say, oh, my God, you know, the Briscoes used to win a bunch of, you know, two out of three fall yeah. matches. Two out of, yeah, I agree. And the story will be. And, and, and I, I don't completely write off the idea that they could win two in a row and keep that going. Um you know, and then set up the third match, obviously. So, but we'll see. I Look, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to this whole show. I'm looking forward to ROH, period. Yeah, oh, this show looks tremendous. This show looks great. I think yeah, ROH, the muscle great. behind it's been good. The marketing muscle behind it's been good. They've cleaned up a lot of their production stuff. I'm excited to see what the show itself looks like. Like, I can't wait. I cannot wait to see uh, what this is. And if this is what, like, the future of Ring of Honor is going to look like, it looks cool as fuck. So I'm in. Uh, all the way. Yep. So FTR Briscoes, uh, Jonathan Gresham defending the ROH World Tag uh, World Championship against Claudio Castagnoli. Claudio getting an ROH World title shot right out of the gates. This Ring of Honor rocks, dude. This Ring of Honor is awesome. You know, Look at this. did Claudio you watch versus the, Gresham? Fuck yeah, let's go. Did you watch the the hype special or whatever you call yes. them? The, yeah, which they did tremendous job with too. I love that they're setting up the story that Claudio has not only never been a world champion. But the two opportunities he had, they were like, oh, first it was Nigel McGuinness, which was just a bad matchup for Castagnoli. <laughs> and then uh, I forget who the second uh, – may have been Morishima actually was his second crack, or whoever it was. But telling the story of he only had a couple sh- – the point was he only had a couple shots at the title, and they were just bad matchups stylistically. And then he's never been able to uh, win a world title since, and this is his shot. The only thing I don't like about this – is I feel like he has to win. I feel like he has to beat Gresham. And I feel like it's this story is rushed. The story of can Claudio finally grab the brass ring and become a world champion? I mean, we're getting on a on a on a eleven day build. I mean, he just walked out on a rampage or whatever last Friday, you know, and they just did that promo with Hagar on the previous dynamite where Hagar mocked him for never being a world champion. Man, I don't know. I feel like you can it, get more out of that story I than agree. a it, it does fucking feel eleven rushed. day or and, and it's a match that I forgot was even happening until like I was reading or I was watching the hype video and I'm like, oh yeah, right, right, right. Gresham versus Claudio. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's been like so if you missed like a week of television, you missed this entire build and this entire story. So it's like I don't know. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. I, maybe maybe they don't have Claudio win, but I feel like everything is pointing towards Claudio winning. I I'm I'm interested to see. Because I think it's a really I think it'd be weird if he loses because he feels like he has so much momentum and he's so over right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's mm-hmm. the right time for him to lose a match, but I also don't think it's the right time for him to end this story and win a world title. Right. I agree. And maybe there's, maybe they have a creative way around this. Maybe it's in the middle of the show so that they can get away with a fuck finish or something like that, or a double pin or, you know, something like that to build to a rematch or, or something. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Cause yeah, I, I I'm assuming Claudio just fucking uppercuts him and <laughs> pins him and gets the, the wins the title. But uh, I don't know. I, I think that'd be that there there's, there's, there's good and bads uh, about that as well, so um, I don't know. Now I'm not. Now I'm not trying to be funny. I, I'm, I'm really not trying to be funny, 
aren't they going to look weird together in the same ring? He's going to tower. Oh, he's going to be yeah. He's like a full foot taller. Than Gre- Gresham's like Gresham's like five one. Yeah, it's it's a problem with Gresham when he's going to be here with like these types of dudes. You know, what I mean, like when he was on the Indies or, or or you know Ring of Honor prior, he could get by, but like. All these dudes are going to be massive. Castagnoli's a Especially monster. Claudio. Especially Claudio's, like, his body type, too, just lends himself to looking taller. I mean, he's already a tall guy, yeah. but his body makes him look, like, five inches taller, too. He he is, like, legit. I think they announced him as 6'5", right? Like, And he's all of that, too. I don't know if you ever stood next to him or stood, like... Yeah, I don't know if he's a legit 6'5", but he's I don't think he's 6'5", but part. he's tall as five. He's 6'2", 6'3", two, 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 easily. Somewhere easily, in that range, easily, yeah. Easily, easily, easily. For sure, yeah. Because they used to... Uh, ROH used to bill... Brody Lee as seven foot <laughs> and he would like be you know coming down to the ring or brawling in the crowd and and like he'd be like barely taller than like Bob Stryker who I'd go to the show with. he's like six one and it's like they'd bill him at like seven foot but he was really like six five or something and- <laughs> right right so Claudio must be like six one, six two. Yeah, I think somewhere. he's. I, I'd put him in the six two, six three range. He's definitely taller than me, but not by a ton. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, then we have Jay Lethal versus Samoa Joe for the ROH TV title. Uh, looking forward to that match as well. Samoa Joe, the champion, defending it against Jay Lethal. Uh, ROH Pure Championship. Wheeler Utah defending the title against Daniel Garcia. About a year uh, removed from their uh, uh, independent wrestling TV. A match that was tremendous. It's gonna be pure wrestling rules. Both these guys are perfect dudes to do pure wrestling rules too. So I'm I'm really really excited to see that. It's, it has the potential to be one of the best ROH pure matches ever. I, I'd say. Um. All right. You want me to give you two of the added matches here? Did you see the sit down face to face with Utah and Garcia? Um. Was that on that same hype video or no? Well, you may have just seen a hype video for the world title match. Maybe but I don't. Yeah, I did not see this sit down. I guess then. There's a 35 minute YouTube video they have up that Whoa. that hypes all the matches. Okay, I have okay. that. I'll, I'll check that out before then. Maybe it's you know, well worth. No, you know what? I did watch a few of them, but I didn't watch the whole video. I was looking for a whole video, and I guess I, I missed it. So I'll have to check that out before Saturday. Well worth your time. Those, you know, they, they it's they do a sit down face to face with uh, I think Shivani is the moderator, and um, yeah, it'll get you into that match. I didn't love their 60 minute draw. I think we talked about it on this show at the time too i didn't love their 60 minute draw i thought they ran out of ideas in that match but um they're not going to go 60 here and i think the pure rules are tailor-made for these guys so i'm looking forward to it all right you are in luck joe you're probably thinking man is balloon guy gonna get a shot here where's balloon guy balloon guy is gonna be here because the roh six-man titles are on the line the righteous versus dalton castle and the boys uh, hold on. Is this a deci- like a d- decision match? What do you mean a decision match? Neither one of those teams are the six-man champions, correct? Um, I am going to be honest titles? that I don't know who the ROH uh, six-man champions are. I think it was uh, – I-, I could be mistaken since we haven't seen those titles. It in, says in the Righteous are the champions on okay. the, on the thing right. that I'm, I'm looking at. So Okay, I'm wrong then. I, I thought that um, – uh, the Righteous won him December 11, 2021 at Final Battle. Got it. Vincent yeah. Bateman I, and Dutch. Your boy Dutch. I, yeah, I thought I thought Shane Taylor promotions were still the champs, and they and because Shane Taylor shit talked or, you know, Tony Khan, not directly, but the uh passive aggressive tweets that he made. Um and they broke him up anyway, because they put, you know, 
one of the guys on that team with Tully Blanchard, but it doesn't matter because I, I forgot that they lost the titles. Yeah. Okay. So the Righteous against who's, – who's the uh, challengers uh, Dalton here? Dalton Castle and the boys. Oh, Dalton Castle and the boys. Yeah. Okay. Hell of a match. This, this is going to be the Tate Twins, the original boys? You got a I hope – I better be. Uh, I, I'm guessing – let me see. I, I, I Again, like I said, I was watching – uh, only a little bit. Let me see if it's a Tate. It's a, oh, it does appear to be the Tate Twins. Let's go. Hell yeah. All right. The Tate Twins are the yeah. better. I mean, they're the best boys. Let's be honest. Those guys rocked. Yeah. Uh, all right. Good. Okay. Yeah, the, gra- the graphic that- shows the Tate Boys, so hopefully it's them. So. Is that on the show or is that the pre-show? That's a, that's that show because there is a pre-show match that they added. Willow Nightingale versus Allison K is on the pre-show. All right. Whatever. Um, But... I think there's room for more. I mean, that's only six matches on a three-hour main show. Right, right. And I didn't get the last one. I did not mention there: Mercedes Martinez uh, defending the ROH Women's Title against Serena Deeb, and then that is it. That Which is I'm the entire looking card. forward to because I think that could be if if they're if they're both having a good night, that could be a really good match. The thing about that is, I think Mercedes Martinez is a little past her prime, and I don't. I think she's more reputation than reality at this point. I don't think she's been great in AEW. I think she's been good, but not great. Deeb has been outstanding almost from the jump, I think, and the, and the match has been well built. Um, but that's still only six matches on a three-hour mm-hmm. show. Yeah, so either so, FTR and Briscoes are going 90, like you said, or we got to have something else on here. So. We still have a rampage. We still have a rampage uh, where they can do something. And, you know, they could also just add something day of. It's not like. Right, they might you time know, it out and say, "All right, who's here? You know, let's go around. You know, a bunch of wrestlers. Hey, show up because we might need you." And then, yeah, you, you figure out, you know, what to. Brian Cage can squash somebody again, or mm-hmm. you know, Tully's tag. Oh, I team forgot about can... Cage. Yeah, they got to find something for Cage to do in this show. So, yeah, I mean, those guys will probably be ringside with Gresham, but um, you could give those those guys. Matt, you could even put Cage in a six man with the other Tully Blanchard Enterprise guys and. I, I, I would be willing to bet they're going to add something to that show. I think, too. They're probably going to time the thing out and then figure out, okay, we have a few minutes here, a few minutes here, a few minutes here. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll add this, we'll add that. Well, you know, we'll, now we'll time. You don't need to announce every single match that's going to be on the show. You can have a few show up, you know, be the night of or whatever. So, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be a lot of fun. No, it looks so... like a great card. It looks like a great card. I've been very, very happy with everything I've seen um, from Ring of Honor so far in the Tony Khan era. It seems like something that they, he really cares about. Uh, they've done really good, you know. Like I said, the production has been really solid. The, the graphics have been pretty good. The the hype videos that I saw were really solid. I'm gonna watch the whole thing, like you said. So yeah, I, I'm excited about this. It, it does definitely seem like something that he he's excited about, and the marketing muscles been put behind it. I think it's gonna do a good number, and I think it's gonna be a fun fun as hell show. So first show, Supercard of Honor did twenty thousand. This one's gonna top that because they've had a lot of promotion on Dynamite. Yeah, Rampage. yeah, they've been they've been promoting on Dynamite for three weeks, four weeks at this point. So. So this will give us a better baseline of what we can expect of these shows before they get their own TV. And then when they get their own TV, then we'll have a new baseline after that. So this will tell us what they can get piggybacking off of AEW TV. Um, I can't, couldn't even wager a guess. I could tell you it's going to do more than the 20,000 Supercard of Honor did, um, but it's going to obviously do less than any AEW pay-per-view has ever done. So – what did those first few do? Like 70, 80,000 or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. I, I would think it would do less than that, but more than the 20. Um, do you think they can double it? Would you, would you go, would you uh, be as bold as to say 40? I think they could double it. I think they could double it yeah, too. I, I don't think 40 is out of the question. No. I don't think 40 is out of the question. Um, 
you know, I, I wouldn't guess anything high. I think anything higher than 40,000 is a fucking home run. Yeah, I would say 50,000 would probably be about the oh. highest I could possibly, possibly go. And that's 50,000 would be a massive success. Yeah. I would say because, you know, you're then you're doubling. Right. They're more than doubling at that point. Mm-hmm. I think 40, 40's optimistic. 50 is. You know, everyone's in the room celebrating if it's fifty thousand. Oh, because then if you get TV, I mean, now you're you're talking about doing eighty, ninety, with your own TV, and 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 they're gonna have big, you know, they're gonna move big stars to that brand eventually when they have TV. So fifty would be, you know, outrageous, but uh, I I don't think forty is impossible. It's a really hard prediction to make, though. Um, you know, but yeah, looking forward to it. I I, I can't wait for them to get TV. I. I'm very optimistic about the future of Ring of Honor. I, oh, there's a media call tomorrow. So um, if you're on the $5 tier, maybe, yeah, I guess this, a, very few people will hear this show before the media call. Um, but if you happen to hear this show, the free version of this show before the media call, we will have the call up with the notes. We will have notes up and our thoughts on the media call, plus a audio recording of the video call up. That'll be five dollar tier. So, uh, I guess if you listen to the show at some point over the weekend, yeah, if you, you want to listen to the yeah. media call after the pay per view happens, if you want to do that, we'll uh, knock yourself out. It'll be there. So, uh, busy day tomorrow. We'll have the media call uh, notes up behind the paywall. We'll have the TV reviews. So, uh, new beach bash got, should be coming pretty soon too. Next few days, new new beach bash. There you go. And I'm working on some other stuff too that'll be up. Uh, no, man, we get too much content. We got to start raising these prices. Uh, we really do. We're down as hell. Really, under, Very, really underpriced ourselves here, but eh, it is what yeah. it is. So, all right. Uh, we are not going to get to Ric Flair's last match show here. We'll do that next week. Uh, we'll, we'll do a, an earnest preview of it because it is coming up next week as well. So I thought we would need it, but we didn't need it this time. So we'll talk about it next time. It's not going anywhere. It'll be there next week. So did you see the angle to set up the match? Did you happen <laughs> I did, to see I that? Did, I did. I did. The parking lot beating. And, yeah. yeah. I want to not like any of things that are going on but i don't know it's it's so it's kind very... of preposterous the whole <laughs> it's it's fucking absurd yeah. like jay lethal's annoyed that flair didn't acknowledge him at the presser and then he beats him up jeff jarrett just happens to be walking yeah, by. Hey, He's whoa, like, hey, whoa, whoa, what's going on here and then he goes you know and then... leave him alone jay leave that old man alone right <laughs> but then but then flair goes heel on on jarrett he's yeah. like i don't need your help Ugh. So Jarrett's like, all right, well, fuck you then. And then he beats him up. Like the whole thing was ridiculous. And the Karen's all... wearing a white dress. There's blood all over. There's a man who has a pacemaker and is on blood thinners, just pouring blood yeah. all over all these people. And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> They're all wearing white. So like you knew what was coming. Every person's wearing white. <laughs> yeah, nobody's not that many. You'd never find five people all wearing white at the same time. They found five people all wearing white at the same time. And, and... Lethal's got the Brian Danielson t- white T-shirt on and. <laughs> Karen yeah, they're Jared all wearing, just wearing white. the whitest dress you've ever seen in your life. Oh, yeah, God. and then he decides to beat up Flair too, which I can't blame him for because Flair mouthed off to him for yeah, some reason. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to help yeah. him, and he's like, "All right, dude, fuck off then. I don't care." The best line in the whole Jarrett turned to David Crockett. And he goes, "My old man never liked you anyway." <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's so carny. It's so fucking carny. Good God, this guy is a pacemaker. Why is he wrestling? <laughs> he said yeah, you could so just turn the. He said you could turn the pacemaker off and turn it back on. I sent that to the nurse, and she said, "No, you cannot. That's not how it works." 
<laughs> he said, I'll just stop taking blood thinners that day and then I'll take them again. That's not also how it works. It's your all blood can't clot. Your blood can't clot if you're not a blood thinner. Yeah. yeah. It's all fun and games till he dies. You know, <laughs> know. I, the, nurses, the nurses asked me a few times, hey, when's that Ric Flair thing? I think she wants to see, like, this man's gonna really try to wrestle like, by turning his face. Like, she, she's interested in seeing, like, perversely like can this man defy science on this night yeah and, i mean yeah. i i tell her that rick flair has defied science before i mean there was the one time remember the time and i think we were, we were doing the show at this time where he had the blood clot in japan and they said you should not fly home and you should get surgery and he said fuck it i'm rick flair i'm flying home yeah and dave melter did the show where he said when this plane lands we are likely gonna know that rick flair passed away or that he's in horrible whatever yeah yeah. He got off the plane strutting, nothing probably, never a problem. Yep. The man flew with a blood clot for 20 f- hours or whatever. Gets off the plane, he's with Flair. <laughs> it's just, you know. You know, I, I so saw somebody someone can turn make- their pacemaker off and then turn it back on and wrestle a match, then it is, it's Richard Fleer I saw, for sure. I saw someone make a real good point, though, like. Jay Lethal probably can't beat uh, Samoa Joe because then Lethal has to lose to Ric Flair. Oh no, there's a, a ton later. of weird politics in this that I don't that yeah. don't make any sense. And I'm not sure how this ends. Yeah, I guess we'll save it for next week. But yeah, um, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, good looking card though. Good looking card. <laughs> great looking card. My, my old man never liked you anyway. What a great line that was. Jared's he... the best man. I love him. Yeah. I love. Him. He's punching Flair's face in. Flair's bleeding like a stuck pig. <laughs> Better back off, Crockett. My my daddy never liked you anyway. <laughs> my old man, yeah. My old uh, man never liked you man, anyway. Yeah. It's a great line. Oh my god! All right, wrestling is the best. It's so cardy. It's so trashy. It's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also the best. All right, that is it for us. That is Joe. I am Rich. Voices of Wrestling.com, Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network uh, for reviews, previews, columns, all that other good stuff. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network as well as the flagship podcast feed on your podcast app of choice. Uh, and then, as we mentioned, flagshippatreon.com, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, voices of wrestling.com slash patreon. All of our bonus content, Thursday tier reviews, daily G1 audio, my Bash of the Beach series that I'm doing, uh, my Goldberg series that I'm doing, uh, the Tony Khan media call, all that other good stuff, the Insurrection, not live, a death before dishonor, a ton of, ton of, ton of stuff coming up uh, this weekend over there uh, at flagshippatreon.com. But anyway, for Joe, I'm Rich. We'll talk to you next time. Take care.